It's time for Mac Break Weekly. Andy Anako, Alex, Lindsay, Jason, Snell. Yes, your favorites are here. I'm here, too. We're going to talk about Apple making its employees return to work, even if they don't want to. A single flaw that broke every layer of security in Mac OS and a Zoom problem that fortunately has just been fixed. It's all coming up next on Mac Break Weekly. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Mac Break Weekly, episode 831, recorded Tuesday, August 16th, 2022. The Fluid Generic Bioprocessing Apparatus. This episode of Mac Break Weekly is brought to you by IT Pro TV. Give your team an engaging IT development platform to level up their skills. Volume discounts start at five seats. Go to itpro.tv slash MacBreak. And don't forget to mention MacBreak30 to your account executive to get 30% off or more on a business plan. It's time for MacBreak Weekly, the show where we cover the latest news from Apple. Alex Lindsay in the house from 090.media. Hello. Hello. Office hours that global. How'd it go this morning? Went well. We had a mic off. I've got like eight mics sitting in front of me, so I've. Like, off. How does this one sound? That's how, fun. So we've got like a but 7B you've settled and on I've that got Neumann. this. You like this, that Neumann the best? You know, for, for the show, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for for shows, this was my, um, uh, the 7, the the this is the TLM 102 um, the, by Neumann. And it was my um, my go-to for voiceovers for a long time, you know. And, um, and then, so I, I still... So when I'm doing my own shows, absolutely. But a lot of times we're trying to figure out what do we recommend to guests and what do we send out to people and what do we, you know, what does this look like and what does that look like? And so that's the, um, so, so anyway, yeah, but this is a great, I think it's a great mic. It's relatively small. Um, you know, you can get obviously better Neumanns, but they're, they get big real quick. There's another one that's a 103, I think that's a little bit more expensive that I couldn't tell the difference <laughs> between the two. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to be another $600 for the, for a this number. This is their and home, so, their home version. The one thing yeah, I know yeah. that, that Neumann does right, which is throw out a lot of condensers because you make them and then you have to test them. And yeah. if they don't have the right curve, you throw them out, and a lot of cheaper companies just put them all in production. So you get a really strange variation from yeah. You notice a lot of there's just a lot of detail in it in, yeah. in areas that I don't get necessarily. Although I use it for my house, and I have a noise assist that's turning yeah. on, you know, getting rid I hear of the that. fan noise. Yeah, I hear that. Um, yeah, and uh, and then the um, but like the PR40 I use in the office because we have too many too much ancillary noise. Yeah, this is so real. I go good back to a PR40 for that. Yeah. yeah, on the PR40 right now. Weighing in at 102 pounds, it is Andy Anako of the beautiful WGBH in Boston. Hello, Andrew. Hello. That that would that would be kind of weird if I switched to the switch this microphone that I've been using for like 10 years because mm. it's part of like it's part of like my visual user interface. I think it cues my brain into getting into that very important. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's, it's time. You, you th- yeah. You think that, but don't say that. Don't say or find a different way of saying that. Don't just blurt that out. I'm a fan of dynamic, large coil dynamics, ever since uh, Bob Heil introduced me to this mic. But uh, that's just personal taste. It's also your voice, what goes with your voice. And your voice sounds very nice on this. As does Indeed. Jason Snell, who is using something else. A sure SM7B that was recommended to me for my voice. And there isn't you go. this great? We're mic, it's mic break weekly, right? That's well, what we're doing here? It, it all got started by this guy, Alex, doing his 
eight mics doing in his front thing. Of him. Yeah, it's good, it's good. I mean, yeah. podcasters should care about about their mics, and this is way more expensive than normal people should get. But uh, you I, have it a four hundred dollar well. mic, which is used uh, like radio stations everywhere use this mic. Yeah, with yeah. A, with a seven hundred dollar mm-hmm. interface because it uh, has gain issues. But you know, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> they make a, they make a USB version of this basically now that it actually they is do. pretty great and has better. That's gain, the one I have. So. Yeah, that's that's the it's right in front of me. This is do you like that one, right? Alex, as well as the SM7? That's the one we send out. So the, the yeah. MV7 has both yeah. XLR and USB out, and we do send that out. Now, we are doing the show with Michael Krasny, and we are uh, we moved him to the PR40 because we thought he sounded better than the MV7. He has a you know, uh, nasal that. kind of higher-pitched mm-hmm. voice, which the PR40 might yeah. help with. The, but see, they are, nothing's, sounds, sounds nothing's flat. Everything has something. Yep, everything has a sound. Yeah, yeah. and so yeah, you the MV7 is is you know it doesn't have out. all those complications that the SM7B has with the game, right. and it's got USB, and that's really like that's if I'm going to recommend thing. a microphone to anybody yeah. who's just a podcaster, it's going to be you probably would. It'd be nice if you had XLR, but you at USB, so you don't have to carry an interface with you. I travel with the yeah. the MV7 for that reason because I don't have to bring an interface. I should with probably get a couple in. of these MV7s. Uh, this yeah, is the, their the, Motiv MOTIV line. That yeah. sure started a while ago with 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 microphones for the iPhone that plugged into yeah. the lightning port, and then they slowly expanded it, and they have software and stuff. And I think they've done a good job. They they realized there was a, a pro am, you know, market for mo- for microphones. One one that yeah. we tested this morning that we had, and you can see it on the show, is this T Bone, which comes out Ooh. of Germany. I like how that um, looks. It's the T the MB MB seven Beta, which sounds very close to the MV seven. Now this one's only got XLR, but evidently I bought the one with the XLR. There is one with the USB um, that I'm going to get to test, but this one's only eighty five dollars, and so wow. it's close. Um, but but uh, uh, anyway, so the, we we thought that that was kind of another interesting one that we're testing. Is there a variation in the USB interfaces? Well, they're they're doing the processing, so they are. It can be a little different. It can sound a little different when it comes out, and it also like what does it do internally to send that USB signal out? So you know, uh, both this T Bone as well as the MV Seven. The XLR out um, is negative, I want to say negative 58 or 56 or something like that. So you need, what that means is that on the other end, your preamp has to have the, uh, the oomph to yeah. to take that it's mic and move it to a normal level. If you're looking for something like negative 20 or negative 24 luffs, you're going to need to have something that, that has enough see. push to do that. Now, yeah. I use a lot of sound devices stuff and it all has that. Right. But sometimes people then have to you know go to a cloud lifter, which is not a great... I guess just like DACs, that A to D converters, analog to digital well, converters, yeah. would have good and bad chips. Huge. It's a huge... I mean, like the, that's one of the reasons we use a lot of the sound device stuff is because they're, um, they're super quiet preamps. Yeah, I really and, like the And then they devices. have limiter, great limiters built into them yeah. if, if you happen to hit tap them. And um, so it's just the, the some of the highest quality preamps that you can get in a reasonable cost. I mean, you can definitely get really expensive. Is that preamps. what you use, Jason? <laughs> but, is that your $700 interface? I, uh, USB Pre 2 is what I've yeah, got. But, yep. And it's because you need a lot oh, of gain man. for this microphone. And it's a, it's and also, it's... I mean, Marco Armit turned me on to it. It's also built like a tank. I mean, that's what I like it about is. it. It's metal. It's got no lots software. of physical controls on it. Uh, it's And it's got some dip switches that you can it's set, which switches. I love. <laughs> love, a, love a dip switch. There have been. Well, it, it has, there's no software for it. There's nowhere to do it. I, I think nope. yeah. I picked up no one software. in my office. And it had mixed pre or USB pre to number 60 at one point, you know, and, and, uh, cause we, we just put them in everything. They're, they're like the, the Swiss army knife. I, I you know, I, I keep thinking, I wonder if they're going to update these someday, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't know what they would 
change. You know, like these things are just, they're just beasts. Um, I was having some recording issues recently and I was like, I'm just moving over to the back to the USB pre two and it, everything was fixed again. It's good. So uh, there you go. Mac, Mike break weekly. <laughs> and that courtesy of our discord channel, we are now going to perform a mic drop. Boom. There it goes. <laughs> That's a picture of there a kid <laughs> with a piece of paper that says Mike on it. And he drops it because one way to do it. he's a kid and he can't afford a fancy mic, yeah. especially one that you could drop. A lot less damage. A lot less damage. Mm-hmm. You can drop the, uh, the Shure SM58, however. That's okay. You're allowed to drop yeah, that. You can, you can actually drive nails with it and then go back to your show. <laughs> you know, David Letterman used to. We were talking about Letterman before the show. He used to. I saw it once, I, and it was great to saw it. And I know you've seen it live as well, Andy. And in his pre-show, he has an SM58, this sure microphone used in punk rock clubs everywhere, on a long cable. And he swings it around. He hits it on the ground. He plays with the thing. It's all dead. That's it. And it's all dented, that, that metal screen. Yeah. It's hysterical, but it still sounds fine. The key is just don't don't give the talent one with a switch. Don't I think care. yes, that's right. Because the switch, switch is so annoying. Oh, how easy. many times? We, all of ours have switches on them, which is a mistake. I put switches on the ones for talkback. So we use these in our mixers. So if we want to talk into someone's ear, right. like hey, you know, if I'm giving it to a client, we have other ways to do it for ourselves. But if we're going to give it to a client, we give them the switch. But we don't give the talent. And, no talent will fiddle with whatever switches. Yeah, you give them. Well, I don't. I think any uh, Apple employees that bought microphones for their fine Zoom setup can now. Rest easy. They're going back to work. According to Bloomberg, Apple has told employees you must work at least three days a week starting Labor Day or the day after, <laughs> September 5th. That's appropriate. Come That's back, appropriate. but don't wear white pants. <laughs> yes. No white belts, no white pants. It's time to go to uh, dark pants. Uh, so at least three days a week. Here's the thing that's really annoying. They specify the days. So you'll have to work Tuesdays. Thursdays and a third day to be determined by your team director, which is <laughs> like what? Well, what about Wednesday? Can we do Wednesday so I have a long weekend? No, you're going to do Friday and like it. Uh, how annoying! I, is I do that? think I do. I do see. I do see when my, I'm going to guess that Wednesday will be almost as busy as Tuesday and Thursday I would because hope. everyone's going to go Wednesday. Oh, please, yeah, we're going to put it. Everyone's going to put. I think everyone's going to choose Wednesday if they're for a third day. But Not your, everyone, but your boss everybody. gets to choose it. That's the problem. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, but that, your boss still has to put up with you. Is this they kind of retro? That's like, true. Yeah, upset. that's true. Yeah. Is this kind of retro? Is this is is this old fashioned? I know companies like Twitter and uh, I don't. I can't remember what Google's policy is, but a lot of companies are saying never. Never come back. Don't I think that back. I think that there is a there's a corporate culture thing that that I you know I've talked to a couple uh, executives at, at some it's not this company but other companies, and there is a concern that there's a certain cor- corporate culture of having everyone there that they are concerned that you know people can get their work done but at some point they're looking at multiple year erosion of co- company culture and how people how we approach things and and um, and so I think that that that's one of the concerns that they have is allowing it to just keep going down that path. It also means that. By saying everyone's got to be there Tuesday and Thursday, it means that if you want to do something for lunch for the employees, you know, something at the, during the break or the middle of the day, because really in most of these companies, uh, being in, in the office means that you have to be available for meetings between, I think it's like usually 10 and 4 or, or 9.30 and 4.30 or something like that. It's not really like they all get their crack of dawn or, or whatever. And a lot of people come in early or they leave late. Um, but they have to be there in those in that window. So that gives the company a window to, um, you know, if they want to do an all hands at two o'clock, they know that people will be there. 
um, or if they want to do some kind of outdoor party or something, they can plan around people are actually going to be at the at the event. So I think that that's probably why they're they're standardizing on a couple of days. And then again, I think Wednesday will probably be pretty, pretty busy for the, and I think it'll be really interesting to see, you know, a lot of employees have kind of, you know, they've burrowed in, they've, they've turned their garages into offices. They've turned their guest room into offices. They've moved to Tahoe. They, you know, <laughs> a lot of things. Um, and I think that that's going to be a really, it's, they, you know, I think Apple pulled away partially because of COVID in the spring, but also partially because a lot of people leaving pretty quickly. And I think they, they need to stop and think about this for a minute. Um, and so I think it'll be interesting to see now that they're turning back on again, you know, what happens again. A, a lot of it, I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that they have all this real estate that they've invested in on tremendous amounts of capital on the pretext that we are going to have to house this, these many employees on an actual campus. Sometimes some of the deals that they got with the communities that they built in are contingent on, we will be bringing X number of employees into your, into your town and they will be probably going out to lunch and spending money and generating tax revenue while they're there. But the, and the, but the other sickening aspect of it is that, uh, managers want employees inside the office because it's easier to conduct surveillance on them inside the office. Otherwise, you have to basically force them to turn their workspace at home into a surveillance state uh, through software, through like webcams that can't be covered up, microphones that can't be covered up. Uh, I know that they're using this kind of software inside the office as well, but this is becoming the, the, the pretext that a lot of different management structures are using to basically be able to look at metrics and saying, hey, on, the, on Tuesday, Tuesday afternoons, consistently from two to three, you're only like typing, uh, you're only typing. 40% of the time and 30% of the time you're not even looking at the screen what's up with that that's like stealing from the company so it's, this is part of the this is part of the ongoing labor battle be, uh, in tech in the, in the tech sphere no less than any place else I think I think that that it, that may happen in some companies I don't think that Apple's too worried about micromanaging people's time you know, just because there's a lot to do as an Apple employee. I, that's the impression I get, at least, is, is there's a lot to get done. Yeah. And you, you you show up pretty quickly as someone who isn't getting it done if you don't. And so, so why make them come back? But, but, but man, again, but I think it's a, yeah, I'm sorry. I think it's a corporate culture. I think it's mostly a corporate culture concern, you know, that, that there is a certain way of that they, you know, and again, the ability, they want people to be mixing. That, and, we already saw that uh, letter from uh, employees the last time. Apple proposes. Yeah. Jason, is it retro to say you got to come to the office to get a job? I think a lot of depends on the job. Obviously, we we make our you know some of our talent has to come in our staff. Yeah, I mean the blanket statement is the problem, right? But I I do think uh, I think Apple has a corporate culture of people being in seats. I think it uh, it stems from Steve Jobs. There's a story my friend James Thompson tells. He worked on the Finder team back in the early days of OS 10, and uh, he was in Ireland at Apple's Cork offices and. Um, Steve Jobs basically d found out that the one of the Finder engineers was in Ireland and said he needs to move here or Ugh. he is out. And James yeah. was like, uh, goodbye. And I think that Steve Jobs and I had managers like this, too. They want to see butts in seats. They believe in this. And I don't want to call it a myth, but I think the, the serendipity of bumping into people at the coffee pot and having a brilliant conversation or having some amazing conversation in a meeting somewhere. It does happen. It does happen. But I think that it's overstated and it's used as an excuse by a lot of managers because they just want to see their people and
and observe them. And while while Andy talks about like the the timed surveillance that some companies are doing with remote workers, yeah. I think it's a, a a softer kind of observation. Like I, if I see you, I know you're present in the office and not messing around at home. The problem is. The truth with a lot of these knowledge workers is you can measure their success or failure at their job, and it doesn't have to equate to how long they sat in your office to do it. And and Apple culturally has been reluctant to embrace that for some groups. Again, there's some groups that it, it probably doesn't make sense for them to be remote, but I've also worked in remote work groups, and it's been great. And I, my overarching feeling about Apple is that I really wish Apple would do a rethink about what jobs and groups need to be present, how often they need to be present, and what jobs don't need to be present. Because while Andy's right, they've invested a lot in real estate, they also rent a lot of uh, office space in the South Bay. They're, they could probably afford to take some of their jobs virtual. Um, and you know what? The cost of living in the South Bay is extremely high, and th- there is a talent loss That's that will happen. That's a big part of the problem, isn't from it? From people yeah. who can't afford to yeah. or for lifestyle reasons, for starting a family or whatever, do not want to have to commute to Cupertino, right. a suburb that doesn't have public transportation, by the way, every day. So that I think the brain drain, if I were an Apple executive, I would be most concerned that our policies were so strict that we're going to have a brain drain, we're going to lose people to remote work elsewhere, and that we need to have a strategy. And I think the the reality is that they're going to start making exceptions for uh, great employees that they want to retain. And instead of doing that remote policy all at once, they're just going to essentially do it over time by letting people leave and keep their jobs because they can't afford to lose them. And and I think that rethinking the open office for a lot of these companies, and some of them are, um, obviously because of COVID (laughs) – it doesn't work at all, but the employees hated it before that. Weirdly, I mean, Apple I dropped their mask mandates a few weeks ago in yeah. the public areas. Yeah, but the the main thing, the problem in the public areas is not is not COVID. It's really the fact that you, you can't, can't have a conversation. Done. You can't think straight. You can't. <laughs> everyone's talking to you all the time. Yeah. And, and you know, they say you know, well, it's really you know, managers were talking about. It. There was someone who said, I'm a, as a manager, I just love being able to walk over and talk to an engineer. And I'm like. As someone who used to be an engineer, an engineer, I was like, yeah. I hate that. <laughs> I hate like, like that. that is like, Don't I was in the middle over. of trying to figure something out, and now yeah. you interrupted it, and you've and your five minute question me. is now cost yes. me an hour of figuring out where I was yes. again, and 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 so and so the thing is, is that it is. Uh, I do think that there is serendipity. I do think at these big companies there are things you do, you talk about at lunch that you run into someone. And the problem is, like, we've replaced a lot of that in office hours because we're open. We have a thing called after hours where people have, are there 21 hours a day. And we have a lot of that serendipity. People just come on, start talking about something, start showing something, everything else. But you can't do that at Apple because everything's top secret. Right. So, so you can't just have a video feed that people can just hang out in. And so I think that's one of the challenges is they it does, you know, reduce some of that. that um, and I do think that there is serendipity at some of these companies that – that you would lose out on. Um, but I think that there's a lot of valid reasons. And again, the big, the most valid reason is, is that, wow, is it expensive in the South Bay to live, you know, and it just puts so much pressure on people who are there because you buy a house and now you have a mortgage of, you know, $5,000. I mean, when you're listening to this, a mortgage in, in, in San Jose or in Cupertino is three to $6,000 for a not a great house. Three six thousand dollars a month for not. You may a, be underselling it. In fact, I'm, I, no, no. It's it's it, it can be much closer to ten thousand yeah. dollars um, a a month that you're paying for a a, a rundown house. Like the, Let's just the take a look. That are not rundown are here's like a, ten to twenty thousand. Here's a nice. <laughs> uh, here's a beautiful uh, ranch style home 
in uh, Cupertino, three yeah, bed, two bath, twelve hundred square Built feet, when? one point nine million dollars. And, what, and what's Zillow. the payment on it? Let's just go down a little bit on Zillow. The uh, Zestimate. Oh, no, that's the Zestimate. Where's the uh, monthly There's, cost? Ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand dollars a month. That's you know based on your mortgage and property taxes and home insurance. So, so it's just super expensive, and it and it puts so much pressure on the employees because it's not just does their salary. I mean, it means that their salaries are really high for Apple, but it also means that if I lose this job, I lose my house. I have to do a thing like, I, do I, can I find another job that's going to pay the same number that that you know when you have to start making two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand dollars a year. That's a, in the rest of the country. That's a pretty rarefied space, you know, and, and so a, yeah. yeah. We think about Apple and we think about like the creative people who are doing like, oh, we're, we're, we're doing the hardware or we're, you know, and, or, or I'm programming the operating system. And although I would say that some of those jobs probably can be remote too, I think James could have uh, built the Finder from Ireland just fine. And collaboration tools have gotten a lot better in the last 20 years. We've learned that we can do a lot of things remotely. We put the lie to this story that uh, people couldn't work remotely. Uh, and now everybody's trying to claw it back. But let's just not forget, there are lots of jobs at Apple that are not those jobs. There are lots of jobs at Apple that are in Cupertino or Sunnyvale or San Jose because they've always been there. And because right. it's... Yeah corporate culture for them to be there and that that's my problem with this uh blanket uh announcement by tim cook and apple about this is that i really wish they had done a little more soul searching about what jobs needed to be present and what didn't but like i said i think in the end it's not going to matter because they're going to have a great person that they want to keep or hire and they're not going to want to live in cupertino or surroundings and they're going to make an exception and that's going to keep happening until they have some dispersed groups regardless Yes, but yeah, it's it's yeah. it's wasteful. Uh, it's wasteful for a lot of those groups to put all that time and effort and money into being present for something that is really a, an online collaboration, you know, remote job anyway. And and we, you know, there's a lot of pretty important people that left when Apple did the first pass at this. Mm -hmm. These were product managers. Mm -hmm. These were engineering managers that were like, well, I don't want to come back. And they, I live in Tahoe and I'm going to stay here, you know, kind of thing. And, and they, you know, the problem for Apple is, is that, you know, a lot of times the, or for all these companies is that the golden handcuffs of getting all that stock eventually become golden wings and they don't really need to be here anymore. Like they, you know, it's nice to keep on getting that, those stock options, but they've been getting them for 20 years and they have enough to live on, you know, and they can start making, you know, wider decisions. And I think that, um, it is really, you know, there was a there was a product not at Apple somewhere else um, that there were two people that could have been become pro product managers for it. And one person would have taken it one direction. Another person would have basically cut it to the bone. And the person who got a job cut it, cut that product to the bone. <laughs> and that, that product was was, uh, yeah, Google Hangouts. <laughs> so and uh, boy, did they miss out. Uh, a couple years ago when, when the COVID hit, you know, and, and the, uh, and it was just a, a decision by one person. So when you have like, when you start changing one person out, you know, and, and that's going to now run the idea behind that, uh, it is, it's, it, it can change the entire trajectory of a, of a product line. It says corporate employees. I'm not sure what that means. Where retail is different, right? Okay. For one. You don't, you don't, you don't have to go to Cupertino if you work at, 
So somebody uh, who's in the Union Square campus. Yeah. And they have some contractors, too. There are a bunch. Apple still does, which I still find bizarre, but Apple still does work with contractors as well, where there are people who are doing support and other things, even things that are in like contractor in Sunnyvale. I know somebody who's a contractor working 100 percent for Apple, but for a contracting company and their offices are, are just across the street in Sunnyvale. But they're technically not an Apple employee, which is a game that you would expect a company like Apple maybe not to play because they've got all the money. Why are they doing that? But that again, it's a corporate culture thing. So this this is all all rolled in there. But I, I'll tell you, I mean, I I ran a disparate, uh, you know, a dispersed geographically office at Macworld, and and the bottom line was like I wanted the best writers I could find. And if the best writer is in Massachusetts and we're in San Francisco, am I going to hire somebody worse? <laughs> because I want to look at them as they have their headphones on in the open office writing stories instead of Ugh. having them in our Slack or our campfire back in the day or of whatever that's it was. Writers. I mean, writing is a very it, solitary. It is, it is, but I mean, the uh, they have the, like the App Store editorial group at Apple is a, basically a geographically dispersed group, and yet they really want to hire people and have them sit in an office in Cupertino. That's silly. That, that, yeah. That's the that's the challenge here is there's no way to do this because there's always going to be an exception that is like, but they have to be there to design the chips. It's like okay, that I totally yeah, get hardware it. Hardware has fine. to be there. Sure. Yeah. They yeah. Need- it's just, and, and this isn't just Apple. All these corporations have basically uh, are trying to hide or run away from the idea that a lot of the arguments against remote work have been proven wrong. And and that's that's the interesting push and pull of the next five or ten years is that a lot of people have realized that it's a lie. And, well, uh, you know, companies that get on that train and realize that they can get valuable people and maybe even save some money, but get valuable people and pay them remotely and not have real estate in a downtown somewhere that makes them feel good about their company but doesn't actually do anything, uh, they're going to get people who are more talented who want to work remotely and it, it they will be they will benefit here are companies uh, just examples of companies that are permanent remote work like for anybody 3m airbnb uh atlassian uh i'm skipping some of them i don't know of coinbase well there probably isn't anybody there left well, and, anyway. and i think that- <laughs> dropbox hubspot yeah. log me in I- lyft meta okta quora twitter reddit i mean well, I have a friend who works at Dropbox who moved back to North Carolina from the yeah. Bay Area. As soon as yeah. Well, and I thought the Dropbox took one of the, the one of the most interesting ways of doing it. Say, hey, the offices are here. We've got services at the offices. We've got you know the little micro kitchens and places for you to have conference calls and so on and so forth. If you need somewhere to go, come on in. You know, we're happy to have you. They're calling you it Dropbox Studios. Yeah, I thought it was great. That's such brilliant. a I really like. That's the future. Fresh like, baked we're cookies give you a place. in the lobby, because, and uh, people will come. Yeah. There's, well, there's also there are people who live in a small house, right? Who, who live in a that's busy the house? Who live? That's the you know, real who don't point. Don't have the bandwidth. It varies. You need to have somewhere for them to go. Some people yeah. like to be around other people, for sure. Some mm-hmm. people don't. I think in the tech sphere, there is a preponderance of introverts and people. Who, <laughs> if you're coding or writing, you you probably do want. It. I know we had an open office in the last studio. Everybody hated it. <laughs> it was, they you like to put it, their headphones on. Uh, I thought it was a great idea, but they did not. They did not like it. So, yeah, we see the kind of preponderance of. It, it seems like in a lot of places, there's like the. This is a big generalization, but it just seems like there's things get broken up into thirds, which is that you have a third of the people that are extroverts, extroverts, and an average third of people that are kind of in the middle, and a third of the people that would are introverts and would prefer to stay away. And and you see that number keep on showing up. Like a third of the employees don't want to show up. A third of students don't want to show up. A third of you know, like it's it's a it's in that third range of people that just don't want to. People are different. 
right? Right. That's, yes, that's normal. <laughs> but odd. here's what has changed. The balance of power. And you're seeing it all over the work sector. Suddenly, employees have so much more power than they used to. And they're standing up for their it, rights. And they're saying, I am not coming back. The argument is, is get, enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> so so the thing is, is that is that it is. You think it's uh, going it to shift back? Well, here's the problem is once you get once companies get really good. I've been doing global productions for years, uh, for a decade or more than a decade. For, at first, you're really excited about it and it's, it's hard and you got to figure all this stuff out. But when you get good at it, you, ne- you don't you now no longer think about I need to find someone local for anything. Right. You know, and you and it moves past like the person who does um, most of my post work for audio is uh, in the Philippines. Not because he's less expensive, because he's the best I can find. <laughs> like he's really good at what he does, and he's right. super, you know. And and his company does that, and I send stuff down to down to Mickey to to ma- to manage those things. And he's incredibly intelligent, and and just knows what I need to need him to do, and just gets it done, and does it better than I can even imagine doing it. You know. Now, I, but I'm no longer constrained by thinking I had to find an audio engineer in San Francisco. You know, like I don't like that doesn't occur for me, you know, and, and in the same sense that there are a lot of great people who are really good at what they do all over the world. And we're not really tapping into that right now. Right. You know, we're still sending people and we're still trying to find people in the U S and still trying to find people here. But eventually as the companies get better at first, the companies are still in this growing phase where they can't figure it all out. And how do we transfer all this stuff? And how do we keep the company culture, but they'll get good at it. And once they get good at it, Every continent, every person, as as especially as you've you have things like that. Starlink and everything else, that. yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get to a point where you're hiring people and and the thought you of where they live. Training in, in Rwanda, yeah, things like we that. were doing. We were building global global communities, doing this for uh, years. I, well, for almost twenty years now, yeah. and so it's it is. But but what happens is is it swing it starts to swing the other direction to some degree. Now the people who are really good at what they do, what's great for them is that they they get to live anywhere they want. They're going to make a good living. They're going to definitely make a good living for where they're living because they can make that decision, right? So it's really good for them. It's really good for companies who are looking for those folks. Where we have to kind of look at the dystopian side of this um, is there's a lot of people in the middle, you know, and a lot of people below the middle that this becomes really unforgiving. Yeah, that's You know, right. like it's, yeah. you know, because because it's, and it's just, you know, it's, it's just that you're, if you're not really in that, what we're seeing is a lot of people saying, oh, I don't want to do this because... They can choose, but there's people who can't choose. And, and for them, this yeah. will get much harder. We tell high school kids and college kids now a lot, uh, skill up because the, you know, the burger flipping jobs are limited. And, well, and, and somebody who can design a website or write code is going to yeah. have a much better prospects. I, have to, I have, also have to say, uh, for some, for some, I suspect some of this comes back to Tim Cook standing on his big balcony at the Apple campus and looking out over his his fields Spent of billions surfs. of dollars on this billion yeah. and and it's empty and it must hurt his heart a little bit and I think some of it is has got to be that I, maybe well, maybe I, I just think again I think that they'd have a lot of people clamoring to come back if they got rid of the open office so if they closed yeah that really if they, if that they could, had that was they said we're gonna have mistake. a lower that was Johnny Ives big mistake yes or, but they they could they could read not redesign the outside, but redesign yeah. the inside yeah. so that everyone has little offices and has a little bit more space. Yeah. Now you'd have a bunch of people who, because man, I would never want to work in an open office. Like I just couldn't, I can't think. Like I can't, and I've been in it. I've been, you know, I've no, been I, contractors earlier. We, I've been red also, badges. Executives have offices 
executives have the priority yeah, of like exactly. the work that they do. They're in meetings with people where they need to be in meetings, right? That, that's part of the challenges here is a lot of the executives don't have an understanding of what that yeah. level, eight levels down that is just Oof. doing this job. They're thinking yeah. of we're at Apple Park and we're interacting and isn't it great? And we go to Cafe Max and I see my people and we all talk. And it's like, yeah, they but what about it. the person who's yeah. over the on the other side of the freeway in the old office building that's been there since the 80s yeah. and they're in a little team that doesn't do anything but go into cubicles and sit there looking at their screen all day and they don't need to be there no. and something that yeah. came up that I, I wanted to i wanted to hammer on just for a moment is the idea that people some people don't want to work at home that's so true and and i would argue that most companies can make this uh they what they save on real estate they can put into things like a reimbursement for their employees so that if they want to work at a co-working facility or if they want to upgrade something in their house that they have those options too they don't you know they they we always had like a fitness reimbursement and all sorts of stuff it's like do a work from home reimbursement yeah. that is also a co-working facility or toward rent in a you know i had a, a co-worker who rented a a single office in a law firm space because they had extra offices for rent like there are other ways to do that to get for people who can't work at home or prefer not to. And I think that that's all good. And then the other thing you put your money to is offsites, right? You put your money to a, a, a once a quarter or three times a year or every other, you know, what, whatever the frequency, get your team together in person a couple times a year. And I think there's, and you're still ahead in terms of your real estate as a company. So I think companies are foolish to do this, uh, but companies are well, foolish and I, and I sometimes. Think- I think also that they could, you could just make it more fun to come in. Again, get rid of the open offices. Uh, you know, like Apple doesn't serve free food. You know, the other one. I mean, I think I know some right. people at other. They don't serve free food. The cat, the cafe. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Steve Jobs used to have to it's, pay for. It's yeah, it's, but yeah, the the um, but the uh, uh, but other companies. I know people who that's like a big thing for them. I, I'm always yeah. like You're working at this information company. I, I'm kind of surprised that free food is a big deal. I'm but sure is. companies will and adjust. So, um, yeah, so, but I think making it great and especially, you know, making it great for the employees that do come in because you have less of them coming in, um, is, is, might be a way to incentivize them also to, again, you're, there are probably 25% or 30% that will, unless, unless you force them to, they will never come in, but it's the, the other, that middle third, like, can you make it really advantageous for them to, to want to come in? Yeah. Well, there's, there's also going to always be that middle third, uh, however you choose to uh, to describe the demographic, that pretty much have to put up with whatever management wants to inflict upon them. And I think that part of this is is really going to be, well, great, we're we're uh, we're 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 going to allow you to work from home, and we're going to be cutting your salary by twenty thousand dollars because. We look. We we know that you don't. Have, you no longer have to buy real estate or that's uh, rent in the in the me. area. I know companies yeah, do that, and, but I find that offensive. And there's and there's. I mean, I'm not, we're not talking specifically about Apple here. We're talking about like all tech companies and really all employers and how how this movement is going to affect things in the long run. Once uh, once co- corporations understand that this is part of the expectations of the workforce that there's going to be some sort of a flexibility in time they're going to figure out a way to nickel and dime uh, the workforce out of whatever benefits that they're going to want to have like i would say people i would say yes like these people competition go ahead andy i just i i I thought we we have a little delay here but i was just going to say they do have to compete for those workers with other people and that's the only hope i think because i don't think you're wrong i i just think that that is especially for these tech companies and tech workers the problem with nickel and diming everybody if you're google is that apple or facebook or somebody is there to give you a better offer 
and so if you say, well, you moved to upstate New York and we're going to cut your salary by 20000 well, if you get another offer, then that's the that's the only way to fight against that. But I'm sorry it, to have interrupted you. It bugs the hell out of me, though. I and the, and I think the, the, the damage that it does for the employer really is that I have a bunch of friends that all left, you know, that all left the Bay Area. Like, I don't know. I mean, literally 20 or 30 friends that just went, whoop, they're gone. And they went to Hawaii and they went to yeah, back Barbados. east and they went to the mid. Yeah. They, they, and, I so almost they went to, to Barbados. Lisa and exactly. I came this close. <laughs> exactly. And so so they, they all dispersed. And when they were told, you can stay where you're at, but we're going to do a cost of living adjustment. They didn't quit immediately, but they all prepped their LinkedIn yeah. and they all started replying. The problem really is, is that the mentality of a person who's applying to other jobs all the time, um, you know, not not ready to leave anytime soon, is that they're not really engaged with your company either. And right. so they're not they weren't they're not working they the way they used to work door. for you. Yep, yep, and they're yep. and they're always just thinking about and every meeting that they have with an external partner is a potential person that they might talk to about, hey, you know, you know, like, you know, what, what's going on there and, and just knowing about it. And so I think that those are the, that's the danger for companies is when they start nickel and diming people, as we said, that you have people who are become a lot more fluid about their relationship to the company. Yeah. Okay. But imagine, imagine uh, that segment of the workforce for which taking off to Barbados is not an option, uh, that they've mm-hmm. got to take care of elderly parents who are sick. They've got to take care of children with special needs. They're having problems just getting by day to day. Those are the most vulnerable people, and the corporations know about that. It's not, and there a lot of the work is. Well, that's when you start offices. getting on the desk and saying union now, right? But 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 I'm saying a lot of the a lot of the work in offices since time immemorial has not been the visionary person who figures out how to make AC current work and is indispensable and You're right. is eminently they have hireable. All their power. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's 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 the it's the people who are. That as part of running this office, we need someone to hand copy uh, this correspondence that's that's been done in longhand because it's, it's, it's eighteen eighty something, and the Xerox machine doesn't exist. Even letter X doesn't exist any, uh, until then. Uh, and those are the pe- these are still the people who are again writing Python scripts have uh, has a skill set that is very important, but is also very very much in the market if you want to find someone who you, you can get someone with a master's degree who can do high school level scripting jobs and and admin jobs and so these are the people that are going to say well i really don't want me i really don't want to have to install the software on my personal phone so that you can basically make sure that i'm actually responding to service texts in a, in a span of time and that you're docking my pay uh, you're making my pay contingent upon my hitting certain metrics of performance but again I've got a sick mother. I've got to take care of her. I've got three kids that aren't going to be going off to college for four or five years. I got to take care of them. So it really is as 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 uh, uh, as Jason said. Different people have different <laughs> different situations and different circumstances, and so we always have to be very very assured that, as always, that this technology and this movement is not going to be turned from something that frees people up to give people more freedom in their life, more choices in their life, more flexibility in their life, more power to get the work that they're being paid to do and do that work better and with better work life balance, and make sure that that tilts all the way in the side of the employer to make sure that. Uh, that Wow, this is going to be great. This this employee that we used to have be, have as a contract employee, uh, paying ninety thousand dollars a year to, now we can figure out a way to pay her only fifty three thousand a year and not give him any benefits. This is awesome. We love Viva la Revolution. Says this says, says the billionaire owner of the company. 
I guess really what's happening here is it's really a trend story, and it's not just Apple. And it's yeah. and the trend is uh, employees are not willing to march in lockstep anymore, and they're not all the same, and they're not cookie cutters, and the environments can't be cookie cutters. And some companies are adjusting better than others to this. <laughs> right? Well, and again, I think that it's and it's it is a a definitely a moving target. Like right now, you you want to take advantage of. <laughs> You know, the fact that you're a rare thing. But if you also, for the employees who do like working at home and then slow down because, you know, they have other things to work on and they have other things to do. And there's the, you know, there's the house and the thing and the thing um, that, you know, it, it will be if you're in the West, you have to keep getting better at what you do. Like, period. Yeah. Like, you're not you don't get to like oh, it's it, a- it's a rat parts. race. And, that's that's for and, sure. And so you just need to know that, especially yeah. if you're on the coasts, yeah. that there is a there is a moving. You know, you have to stay stay uh, current with a lot of those things because you are first competing with other people in the country, other people in the state. But eventually, you're gonna you you really will end up competing with the rest of the world, and their cost of living is uh, you know I've I've always. <laughs> up and told my wife i was like if we just moved to rwanda which is where i would move if left to my own devices i was like i could you know, live like I kings could yeah. i could do i could do office hours in the morning yeah. and that'd be it that'd be it <laughs> like, and then I'd go hang out you know because like, yeah, like you know i'd go you know like work a couple hours a couple hour, hours a day and, and that would be you know then i'd go work on the garden As or whatever the stark market crashes i start my expectation of where i'll retire goes down down, <laughs> down down the list and you know what i could do very i could live very well in uh, you know in mexico on uh, on this amount of money and then yeah you know I could, but I, I could easily it. find a job, but, but, you know, like for instance, you know, living in Northern, in Marin, you know, I, Oof. I think a lot about, about, about salaries Oof. and process and things yeah. and, yep. and making yep. sure that same. I, you know, stay effective. Yeah, Oof. same. We're both in Marin. You're like, you're like, Hey, I gotta, I gotta get up in the morning and get some stuff done and move things forward because, you know, I, I have a, I have a mortgage to pay. 20 years ago <laughs> so. when we moved from San Francisco, cause Abby was a little baby and uh, we were told, you know, we were going to move North. We just drove through Marin. We didn't even stop. We just went right through Marin, <laughs> kept going yeah. to Sonoma County, where it is a little was it's not so much so, yeah, but was a little bit less expensive twenty years ago. Yeah, uh, yeah but anyway. it's always like when I get asked why am I working on the weekend, I'm like, because I like the house. Mm-hmm. Like I like you know, living like, here. <laughs> like, I like living here. So yep. it's I like, like living here. Mm-hmm. Things need to get done. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, all right, well, we'll watch and see with interest uh, what happens. At least Apple's not saying five days a week, right? They're only saying three. You still can have two days <laughs> yeah. at home. Maybe that's the they feel like that that's the compromise. Is- that drive is brutal. It's always, no matter where you're coming from, that's yeah, a horrible This policy problem. will, even though it's not completely work from home, this policy will help extreme commuters. And for people who don't know, there are a lot of extreme commuters Oof. because when you get out of the blast radius of the South Bay, you can find things that are more affordable, not super affordable in terms of the rest of the country or world, but more affordable in terms of Bay Area and sort of like greater Bay Area. And so a lot of people, like we used to have, in my office in San Francisco, we had a guy who lived in the Desto, which is, I mean, it's far, folks. It's far and lots of traffic. And he would come in a couple of days a week. And and so like this, this reduced schedule will actually help those people who have the terrible yeah. commutes uh, save several hours a week out of their lives. So it's, and, again, not as good as it was, but better than coming in five days a week. That's a, and, it's a, and a lot of them are a lot of them have apartments somewhere in that area that are just one really bad, like one room studios that they stay in for the week, the weekdays, oh, and Tuesday so through Thursday, oh. but a Tuesday through Thursday experience where you go down, you're there doing, the, yeah. doing your thing. And then now I think a lot of them though, will be like on Friday, 
they'll be there for the meetings. <laughs> like, you know, after, after yeah. having to come in, that's the problem you really have is that they'll come in for three days a week, but they'll be for the, those who are forced to and are bitter about it, you know, Monday and Friday may not be very, they might not, may not get as much done. But that's why <laughs> housing prices up here are went up because yes, it's an hour oh, yeah. from San Francisco, but it's at least an hour from San Francisco. And then now people are going yeah. to Mendocino and going farther and farther up North. And I, you know, I remember having a two-hour commute in traffic back and forth. My brothers and Jenner. It's awful, mm-hmm. awful. Uh, yes. We have employees, frankly. We had, uh, and it always makes me nervous when we hire somebody who's got a two-hour commute. It's like, you, you, do you really yeah. want to come to the office? And it puts pressure on us to say, yeah, take a few days a week. Uh, we all, we're now a four-day work week. If even if you had to come in, you'd only come in four days. Right. And because the commute everywhere is terrible nowadays. It's just awful. All right, let's take a little break. Come back. There are other stories. There's not a lot. I, I confess we're, we're filling time here. <laughs> um, I do. I am curious when uh, we get your predictions ready. Get your get your prognostications uh, uh, prepared. You peerless prognosticators. When is Apple's event going to be? We'll talk about that when we come back in just a little bit. But first, a word. From IT Pro TV. Love these guys. When they started, what is it got? It's been like now nine years, almost a decade. Uh, Tim and Don and, and the team there, they were so great. Remember Lisa and I a few years ago went out to celebrate the opening of their new studios? They have now, I think really, they have done so well. Seven studios open all day, Monday through Friday. What do they do? They teach people IT. And they do it better than anybody. And they do it in a way you're going to love because you can watch it on your TV. You can watch it on your computer, your phone. You can watch it on Apple TV. It's a great way to get the IT training you need to either get into IT, to advance your career, or, and we always talk about individuals, I really should mention, it's also great for businesses that have IT teams they want to upskill or you know just keep them excited about the the field. IT Pro TV is a great way for you as a business to support your IT team. It's a great benefit. You can give the IT team, but you get the benefit because they're better at security. They're better at networking. They're better at desktop support because they take these classes at IT Pro TV. And you're not giving them something they won't use. More than 80% of users who start a video at IT Pro TV finish it because it's engaging. They call them edutainers. Their trainers at IT Pro TV are, of course, first and foremost, experts in the field. But then they also choose them because they're so fun. They're engaged. And I think it comes from a passion for the field, a passion for what they're teaching. That communicates to the to your, your employees, to your IT team. And that passion is exactly what you want from them. Binge-worthy, entertaining, high-quality content in every area, all your certs, all your training in one place. They've got every vendor and skill you'd need for IT team training, including Microsoft IT, Cisco, Linux, Apple, security, cloud. That library is always up to date. That's why they have all those studios. More than 5,800 hours on demand, ranging from pure technical skills compliance issues there's soft skills too like marketing running a business so really everybody can benefit from it pro tv plus you'll like the dashboard for the business plan you can completely track what's going on manage your seats assign team members unassign them even create subsets of users so you can say you three you need to learn this you can even assign single 
episodes as well as the entire course. Episodes are 20 to 30 minutes long. You get metrics like logins, viewing time, tracks completed, and more. Um, I think it's just a fantastic way to keep your team engaged, skilled, to give them new skills. And, of course, as an individual, it's a great way to learn. Give your IT team the development platform they need to level up their skills and enjoy it at the same time. And a team can be anything from two members to a thousand members. Volume discounts start at five seats. Go so it doesn't have to be a giant team. Go to itpro.tv slash MacBreak. The offer code MacBreak30 will get you thirty percent off. Mention that to your account executive at ITPro TV. ITPro.tv slash MacBreak. And by the way, that offer code applies to individuals too, so remember that when you go there. ITPro.tv slash MacBreak. MacBreak30. For individuals, it's thirty percent off. Do me a favor. Go to itpro.tv slash MacBreak and check it out. At least check it out. I think you'll be very impressed with what they put together. And we thank them so much for supporting everything we do here at Twit, including MacBreak Weekly. You support us as a MacBreak Weekly viewer or listener by using that address, itpro.tv slash MacBreak. Uh, it's the uh, fun time of year. Defcon and Black Hat. So, of course, <laughs> Exploit City. You saw the guy, uh, I love this, put... Uh, put a special agricultural version of doom on a john deere tractor <laughs> that is that's the way to go so why, why not farm simulator for heaven's <laughs> sakes you missed the, the obvious well you are you apparently i didn't see to it, escape but you you're are trying to escape you're apparently uh yeah. you're farming corn in doom so it is kind of like there well, you go anyway that uh, that was an amazing crack i'm sure we'll talk about it uh, on uh, security now this week uh, and uh, one of the things he found out very by the important way, one yeah, is very important too. because of course farmers hate it that john deere locks everything down you really don't own your combine or your tractor you know john deere completely controls it and it turns out they're running an antiquated version of linux not you know gpl but they're not they're not honoring the gpl and and we'll go get this windows ce windows ce the failed, the failed Windows mobile operating oh system from God. Re, oh God, is that from the Bush era, or does it go all the way back to Clinton? I, I got to look it up. <laughs> it's old. I had a CE when way back, well before the iPhone. So I think you're probably it probably is uh, George H W. Uh, wow, wow. Anyway, that's another story for uh, another day. There is another day. I, there is definitely some Mac stuff too. A single flaw. Broke every layer of security in Mac OS. This is the article from Matt Burgess and Wired. It's an injection flaw. Uh, fortunately, Apple, we should say right up front, patched this a long time ago. Um, but uh, it's now at Black Hat. You know, you can actually see the details. Alchemade, who is presenting the work uh, this week in Vegas, found the vulnerability in December 2020, reported it to Apple. He says he was paid a pretty nice reward for the research Apple issued at least two updates to fix it, first in April of last year and again in October of last year. Uh, but it was uh, kind of a nasty bug. Uh, multiple steps to launching the attack, but it all comes back to the initial process injection vulnerability, a process injection, as I'm sure Steve Gibson will explain. And if I were a better student, I would know. Allows hackers to inject code into a device and run code in a way that's different to what was originally intended. I think he, use, uh, he uses uh, Xcode to do this. It was a serialized object in the save state system, which saves the apps and windows you have open. You know when you shut down a Mac and it reopens those? That saved state system 
can run while a Mac is in use. It's a process called AppNap. When an application is launched, it reads some files, tries to load them using an insecure version. There's there's the word you're you're, look, you're looking for of the serialized object. Uh, Alchemate said, in all of Apple's operating systems, these serialized objects are used all over the place, often for inter-process exchange of data. The way the attack works is you can create those files at the place another application will load them from. In other words, spoof the serialized object, replace it with a m- malicious one, and then the, uh, the, it, the problem is that the system just accepts it unchecked. And so it is a flaw that uh, can bypass system integration, or sorry, system integrity, protection. Um, now I imagine what Apple's all Apple had to do is say, "Oh yeah, we should probably check those those as well. <laughs> Maybe we should make sure." But that was a bad one. Again, fixed by Apple. Well, I think it was a couple, if I remember correctly. It, they had to patch it twice, so it wasn't. Yes. It was like they patched it and they patched it again. Yes. So. But it wasn't. I don't think it was used in the. I think he found it. I don't think it was used in the wild that they no, know of. No, I think. That's I think the you case. had to have yeah, access. Yeah. Did you have? To, I think you had to have access. To physical computer, access to the machine. Physical access to the computer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, it doesn't look like they patched it twice. It looks like they patched it for iOS and then they patched it for Mac. Oh, okay, iOS. got it. Uh, because it. it's I, a similar issue for both I, sides. You know, it's not clear how you would exploit this, but I'm guessing you could also put up, for instance, a malicious repository on GitHub, an Xcode repository that did the same thing. So if you could get somebody to load your code somehow, and that's, you know, that's social engineering, um, you would also, you, you, know, you don't have right. to be the one sitting at the keyboard. Most exploits, somebody has to do it. Right. It's not right. Just, this is they yeah. get a pirated piece of software or something like that exactly. by doing this thing and yeah. that, that is running an Xcode project. And then you you have to agree to all. The, and they do a little helpful step by step of like, well, now click OK. Now put yeah. in your password. Now click yeah. OK. And then you end. Always up be with careful. This. Yes. <laughs> it's funny that they mentioned AppNap because I was under the impression that AppNap is not happening on Apple Silicon Macs, but just oh. on the Intel Macs. Um, but there's a, another process because it's more like iOS. There's another process where it's uh, staying awake. It, it like it never really now. Apps, right it's sort of uh always awake in a way that max didn't used to be it's pretty technical but uh the blog post uh is at his uh is his website um and you can actually you know now that now that apple's patched it he did you know by the way praise to alchemy because he uh did res- what's called responsible uh disclosure and told apple and apple fixed it and then now you know six months later he's he's uh, telling people how you can do it yeah and let's, and let's also be happy that Apple seems to be a little bit more agile in responding to developers who are – to security researchers who are providing these bug reports because they have not always been as grateful as they need to be. We've had uh, multiple reports for the past two or three years of someone who tried – tried and tried and tried to file to get get them to pay attention and act on a bug that they supported and either a they keep the 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 patch keeps getting delayed 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 and then when it actually gets gets uh, gets happened the security researcher doesn't get credited for the for the bug kill uh they're not being the bug bounties were not nearly high enough commensurate with the amount of work that security researchers put into finding these things it really is you you either you either pay it really is do you want to pay like a five hundred dollars to the exterminator to get rid of the termites in your house or do you want to spend twenty thousand dollars later on to have the foundation replaced yeah. it's an easy five hundred dollars to spend patched in uh, mac os 12.0.1 monterey 
So uh, you, you're probably okay. If yep. you, if you, yeah. and, is, and, and, it is, and, it's just great to see Apple stepping up and paying. Yeah. I mean, I know there are criticisms that they're still not necessarily doing it the way the security community would like and maybe not paying them, them the amounts they would like. And I mean, at what point are we tired of the story that Apple is doing a thing in a way that everybody else in the world doesn't like? That, that seems to just be Apple. They're going to do it the way they think is right. <laughs> but they have gotten on board with this idea that if uh, somebody is, you know, they're motivating people to find flaws and paying them for their work, and we're all safer as a result, and that's how it should be. Yeah. Another uh, discovery from uh, everybody's favorite Mac, you know, good guy security researcher, Patrick Wardle. In Zoom. Oh, no. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> oh, no. Is Max Headroom going to appear in the middle of the show now and take over for that, us? That, that, of that. I am wearing Max Headroom's blazer. Uh, maybe. Yeah, it could be. If they, if, they, if they cast Matt Frewer, like, like in the original, I'm fully on board with that. They are, by the way. Did you know, did you know yes, they're bringing they it back yeah. with Matt Frewer? Yep. Because only he can be Max Headroom because he's got that square chin jaw. And he could well, survive also, the there hours was a guy of who, rubber. A guy who wore a Max Headroom mask who took over a TV station in Chicago. <laughs> I know is, that one. That was yes. the reference I was trying for there. That but either, yeah. either way, I mean, we're on an insecure line now. Everybody just be aware. <laughs> where it, the line is insecure. So there is an auto update feature in Zoom. There he is. Hello. See? It's Max. That's me. I, should, I need a black rubber tie, though. Then, I, then I'd be set. <laughs> uh, and a square jaw. Um, Zoom has an auto update feature. This is sometimes a problem. You've been there. You know, you, you, you go into a meeting and Zoom says, oh, we got update. And and then you enter your system password. And the problem is you enter the system password once the first time when you set up the feature. From then on, Zoom doesn't have to ask. It has permanent permissions. Patrick Wardle said hmm, he presented at DEF CON. Uh, this past week, two vulnerabilities you found in the automatic update features validation check for the updates for an attacker who has access. This is a physical access attack. The vulnerabilities could have been changed and exploited to grant the attacker total control of the victim's machines. Zoom has fixed these vulnerabilities. Well, he fixed. OK, so he found another one, which he hasn't yet told Zoom about that reopens the attack vector. Wardle told Wired ahead of his talk, I was curious about exactly how they were setting this up. And when I took a look, it seemed on first pass they were doing things securely. They had the right ideas. But when I looked closer, <laughs> the quality of the code was more suspect. It appeared that no one was auditing it deeply enough. Oh, oh That's Lord. Zoom for you. That's Zoom for you. Uh, to and, automatically... And by the way, it, I... I I turn most automatic updates yeah, off. Yeah, maybe this is a good <laughs> like idea. I, I, Certainly and, one and that only asks for the password once. Right. Yeah. But I, in general, I just turn them off. And I, I like to wait. Typically, unless they have a feature that I really need at that moment, I like to wait a week or two and just, just like... Yeah, that's a good point, too. Sort, yeah. Just see how it sorts out. And now, now we'll jump into it. Just because so, sometimes that goes out and they almost immediately find something. You'll see those like three-day security patch that comes out after something. I like to just sit outside of that and... Let it sort itself out. There's very credit, rarely something they, new. There's rarely something I needed in the next two weeks. Zoom that actually out. lets, they have a slow and fast update channel now. So uh, it's actually uh, a nice feature that more people mm. should probably have. So if you're like Alex, you could turn on auto updates so you are sure to get those security fixes. But if you're on the slow channel, 
it does mean that that you're only getting it after it's sort of been out there and it's a version that right. they're happy with instead of getting the new update all the time. Um, and I, I like that as an idea of being able to yeah. choose to be on the faster slow path. More more software yeah, should do that. Makes sense. Another aspect of that is that when you have auto updates put in, they it can destabilize your machine even when you haven't restarted yet or haven't clicked to, to apply those patches because I find that there will be sort of a partial, like a pre-install load. And for some now for some reason, some weird stuff is happening with my internet connection or some really weird stuff is happening with a, with a Windows manager. I'm getting things that are, uh, Windows are taking a long time to redraw. And then I... I dig myself out from under it and I find that there is somewhere there's a dialogue box saying hey I've just a uh, system update XXX has just been has just been downloaded do you want to restart to affect to affect these changes and yeah I, I would like to I would like to think that this system would say I'm not going to do anything that's going to mess up your computer Andy especially because given that it's like 6 30 in the morning and someone is expecting this thing to be finished in the next hour and a half uh yeah you, you it's it's I, I do think that it's as important as it is to make sure that you have the latest versions of everything for security reasons as for stability reasons. I my, my system is a lot happier and I'm a lot happier with it just alerting me and then letting me choose the time and the place when the disaster happens. Zoom says it's important to update. We've resolved these security issues. We recommend you keep up to date with the latest version of Zoom. Zoom offers automatic updates to help users stay on the latest version. Wordle agrees. But he says, the main reason I looked at this is because Zoom is running on my computer. Uh, the good news is, uh, the, uh, as of yesterday, at 2.10 p.m. Eastern Time, Zoom has patched the second flaw he, he talked about at uh, DEF CON. So if you're interested in the details, Lily Hay Newman has a very good uh, write-up on it in Wired, in which she describes the first flaw, uh, a way to bypass the cryptographic signature check she says, imagine you carefully sign a legal document, then put the piece of paper face down on a table next to a birthday card you signed more casually for your sister. Zoom's signature check was essentially looking at everything on the table and said, oh, that birthday card signature is just fine. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I don't know how apt that metaphor is, uh, but it's good. It, it gets, I get the idea. Uh, that was the first flaw. They, then they, he found a second flaw. So... And and just as a, as a statement, Zoom takes these things pretty seriously. I mean, they obviously had some PR problems at the beginning of. Uh, oh, and that's of, when they hired a bunch and, of very good people to. to but to I got to tell you, you turn you turn all the dials up on Zoom. And it's about as you know. There's always this balance between convenience. I mean, a lot of times when things are made, when you have a mistake with security, it's because they're trying to make it more convenient for someone to install or whatever. Because that's always the thing is like we try to get someone to put a new version of Zoom on if we're going to have them do a remote. And they're like, why do I have to do this? And now I have to fi fill out all these things. And that's what they're trying to get past. And sometimes they don't get it right. But but I think that um, it is a it, it's all of them are pretty secure at this point yeah. because they're being so they're being used so much and they're under a lot more attacks than they were in the past. Yeah. And we haven't seen I don't know if anyone really used this one. It's just something that we saw. I'm going to ask this, by the way, you might as well get used to it every single day, Tuesday until it happens. When's the Apple event going to be? <laughs> when I did it last week, uh, there was no general consensus. Is it? It's. it's they, they still. I don't get invites, but I think they still mail them out a week ahead of time, right? So we won't. Right know now, it's a week. Uh, yeah. If you're not doing it in person and it's just remote, they give you about a week's notice, which is not 
I'd prefer more notice than that, but sure. that, uh, they don't they don't care about that. They, um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to guess the 13th is the most likely because they like Tuesday events yeah. and Labor Day week is challenging because then you're asking people to uh, do it the day after Labor Day. They have in the past well, also done them like a day regress so you could do it like on the 7th. Right. I think that's the a Wednesday possibility too. Labor Day, but yeah. they could, but if it's, it's not in person, it doesn't matter. Yeah, for them in a, in a in a production world. Yeah, if it's not in person, if you're not doing a stage event, it doesn't matter. It, it is really expensive to do things on uh, the day after Labor Day yeah. because while the the event is on the day after Labor Day, the production crew is there on double time on Monday and Sunday. You know, so so you're you know there's a there's a good reason why a lot of people do things on Tuesday is because it uh, gives you one weekday to to get ready for the event and it gives you the otherwise the most amount of weekdays to get press before it disappears into the following week so tuesdays are generally a popular and the day rumor mill says and it's no surprise that they have begun recording uh yeah. the the features which implies that it will not be all in, require in person didn't they do a hybrid thing last time where i know google did where there were some people yeah right at wwdc there were some people at the apple campus but i don't yeah, but I don't think anyone was at the at the in Steve Jobs Theater. I think they no, were it was out, outside, outside, yeah, big LED wall. Yeah, yeah it's it's yeah, it's COVID yeah. thing. But it, it's it, it would be nice to go back into the. Th- I I still think that they can just play a movie at the theater. It'd be just as nice. The, the you know rather than having people walk on stage. I do think that the last one was a bit step. The, the ones that they, I felt like peak keynote was like December or whatever November. The end of end of twenty twenty one was like the best one we've seen ever. And then they, it felt like they were trying to get ready to go back into the stage, and it's gotten now slower and more full of blah yeah. <laughs> than, it, than it had been before. So I'm hoping that they just give up on it and just give us a good movie. Apple has a lot of things yep. they need to announce, by the way. This is so they're probably in September and in October, as in the past. Mm-hmm. An event. iPad event, an iPhone event, yeah. AirPods event, yeah, yeah. yeah. iPhone 14. The rumor is four models. Uh, two of them will have the A14 or A15. Now I'm all confused. Two of them will have last year's chip. Two of them will have this year's chip. Uh, there'll be a six, two 6.7 versions and two whatever, a little bit smaller versions. Um, would I guess they would do the watch the same yeah. day. Because so, it's, it's an iPhone accessory. It's an iPhone so, accessory. Yeah, it'll be the same time. So a new Apple and then, Watch 8. And then there's a, the rumors are there'll be two kind of models. Uh, there'll be a pro version now that's going to be a titanium alloy. Um, and have some pro features, maybe additional athletic features. And the big new feature is it'll monitor your temperature. <laughs> it'll, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll sense your temperature and and kind of say maybe it won't tell it what your temperature is, it'll, but it'll say it's it, up a little. It will say yeah, <laughs> yeah. It will say it, it will basically be like an image of a, a doctor, male, female, gender of your choice, going. <laughs> because 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 temperature sensors aren't really accurate for for wearables yet, and also they might be limited as to what the FCC will allow them to say. Uh, their temperature sensor can actually provide as far in, as far as hope goes. Yeah, my Aura Ring, which has had temperature sensing for a while, um, only shows you the trend. It says you're up half yeah. a degree, you're down half a yeah. degree. But that's actually valuable. Uh, I started wearing it because of COVID to kind of give me a early alert that maybe I'm not. You know, I'm not doing so well, although I'm healthy now. And I noticed it fluctuates quite a bit. So I don't know if that's the ring or I would guess Apple's going to do a better job. than. Uh, and for, for me, it's always the, the watch really is one of those things that has to have something that I don't feel like I need to update the watch very often because of what I use the most out of the watch is the timer. 
yeah. <laughs> you know, like the timer and the alarms, like, like, like telling me, reminding me of something to do is the thing that's probably the most important piece of the, of the watch. Um, and so I don't, you know, I find myself going, well, and I like the heartbeat and I like the things and I finally upgraded, but I, I think I'd skipped two or three years before yeah. I upgraded again. Um, the phone, I usually, I've skipped a couple years, but this one, the, I think the big thing for me is to see what they do. I mean, now I just watch what they're going to do with the camera. You know, the, like the cameras are have just really just feels like every year they get significantly better. Like they really realize that what we really want is a camera that has some phone functions and they keep giving them to us. Good. Thank you. I'll take it. Uh, reportedly, again, where there's all rumors, the front facing camera will not have autofocus. Uh, and the new back facing camera, instead of 12 megapixels, is 48 megapixels. But that's binning prob- probably, yeah. right? Not native. Certainly. Yeah. My guess is, though, that it'll probably be a big leap in image quality. And Apple doesn't yeah. do these. You know, Apple resisted going above 12 for a long time because Apple was focused more on the, you know, the the light being captured by the pixels and the end image quality because they, they have a very specific philosophy about building iPhone cameras. So to go to 48, I'm sure they will talk about how they're doing binning and, you know, maybe, you know, only Apple could do it this way kind of thing. But in the end, it's still, regardless, is probably going to be the biggest iPhone camera upgrade we've seen uh, in a while, I would think. Yeah, particularly for video. If they if they decide to go for 8K uh, video shooting, that would be a pretty damn interesting development for, for on a Samsung phone. You think that okay, once again they're gonna they want to be the first to introduce a feature, even if it's a crap feature that no one wants to use. With when Apple, if Apple were to do a higher than 4K resolution video capture, that would be something pretty amazing. Or even if they just use the extra pixels as slop around the 4K to do uh, automatic tracking uh, of uh, if you if you're holding the, the the phone remotely stable to be able to do a, a virtual tracking shot that holds a holds a subject in in the middle like that uh the as i think of that though the next the next thing i I think about is apple is usually really stingy in terms of how much storage they give you for whatever buck you're willing to spend so are they willing to you know sell me a a 64 gigabyte phone that shoots 8k video metaphorically speaking or or is it going to be is this 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 it shoots 8k video but you're gonna want to you're gonna want to have the fifteen hundred dollar top whack two terabyte storage model in order to actually use it effectively there's precedence yeah, for this because they mm-hmm. didn't uh the four what is it the uh raw uh sh- you could shoot raw um and on the lower storage configuration they basically said you can't sorry you can't yeah. uh and they, they actually turned the feature off because they're like it's not there's no point there's not enough room for this i suspect we're at on the precipice and this might be the model where all of the um different levels sh- are raised up where there's a you know two terabyte storage at the very top <laughs> wow. where it might have been one before and that there's rumors that there's going to be a price increase and one of the reports i think ming chi kuo made uh suggested that they expect a kind of 10 to 15 percent increase in average selling price on the iphone the only explanation for that it it can't be explained by mix by adding in that big low-end phone and getting rid of the mini r.i.p mini but um if if that's the case and they raise the price of every iphone base model by a hundred dollars one scenario there is that they what they do is they raise the base storage because remember all the base storage is i think 64 
um, and then it's a hundred dollars up to one twenty eight. So it, one scenario might be that they just lift all of the storage, start at one twenty eight, at least on the pro models, and then maybe add an enormous storage tier on the very top um, because that you know not only as Andy points out, not only is that data that you could probably use, but uh, it's a lot of margin for Apple, and Apple likes that. Yeah. They're also also just to, just a note that it's not an apples to orange comparison as in defense of Apple in terms of what they charge for storage because Apple puts a real priority on the fastest possible data path so it's not just they're they're buying whatever commodity chips they can possibly find and just so long as they so, so long as they can get uh, 512 gigs of storage on there it works it has to be 512 gigs of storage that can record video at the level of quality that they want to record at indefinitely without any stutters without any crashes without any bounces or anything. So there, so there is that, but it is annoying that if, like me, I don't, I don't shoot, I don't, I don't put a real high, uh, high value on really great video recording. What I do want to be able to do is to be able to put as many comics on the phone, as many music files, as many video files, capture as many pictures as I want without having to run out of storage or have a performance slowdown because we're running out of storage. And for that reason, I'd much rather have the cheaper RAM but have more of it. It's too bad that you don't have really that option. And I'd much rather see, you know, much higher frame rate than higher resolution. So if, if the, I mean, 8K is great, but there's just nowhere to play it, you know, and, and so, you know, I think that, you know, and Apple doesn't usually put stuff in that is way over top of somewhere to something to do with it. And so 8K may be something that's there, but I think that higher frame rate, um, 4K is probably would make more sense, um, you know, going to 240 or even 480. It's just so much fun. People love slow mo. <laughs> so, yeah, and, I agree. And the funny thing is, is that slow mo is cool at 120, but when you get into like the four, like we do a variety of stuff where you need slow motion at 480, it's pretty magical. 240 is really cool, but 480 and above, you know, the 480 to 1000 frames a second is a, it's just such a fun experience. Does it have to like be you slow just start doing all kinds of stuff. Does it have to well, be slow mo? Could you have high frame rate that was normal speed that just looks smooth? Well, like, like I think that Apple is. Apple's on its way to 120. I mean, I think that that's, I think that everyone's on their way to 120. Almost every camera you buy now, like has one, like they're starting to get 120. The the Apple TV is capable of 120. The current Apple TV is capable of 120. All our TVs have been capable of 120 for a long time. It really changes uh, how something looks as it, much as 4K does, right? It's, it's much more visceral. So it yeah. doesn't have the yeah. cinematic look. So if you're looking no, for a cinematic uh, experience, but what I will say is that if you've ever seen any sports at 120, it's, it's pretty, yeah. It is, and and the and the real thing that I think that again I still feel like this is going to fold into MLS in the next couple of years, is that MLS gives Apple, the you know the soccer league gives Apple the ability to to the first year I bet you it will look like a regular TV show, but I bet you behind the scenes Apple is shooting 120 and looking at that and everything else and maybe the second year for the first year by the end of the season if the first year went well we might see a couple shows that are you know and all you have to do there it's not like everybody has to see 120. All you have to do is set the the top the top ladder on the manifest to be there's a a 120 version of this show that's being embedded into it and if you don't have the bandwidth for it we'll just give you the 60 yeah. frame a second you know it's not a big deal yeah. and if you set the it turns out that if you set the the shutter speed to what we call 360 degrees at 120 it doesn't bother you and it means that the 60 looks fine so it's it, you could do the say same, that again same show shutter speed so, 
So shutter speed is, so basically what we're used to looking at on TV is what we call 180 degree shutter, which means that the shutter speed is twice the speed of the frame rate. So if you have a 24 frame per second, your shutter speed is 48. If you have 60 frames a second, I don't get your shutter that. speed is 120. I thought the shutter speed was determining the frame rate. Uh, no, the, I guess the not, shutter speed because, yeah. yeah, it's, it is, it's how the shutter, it, you know, it, it's just how fast that shutter goes around. And we're, we've gotten used to motion blur that is from hundred. So there's, wait a minute. It, oh, it's no, half uh, open. It's open half the we, time, okay, not the whole time. <laughs> you gotta start. Okay. Erase. So <laughs> I understand there's a shutter and a still camera. There's shutters in video cameras. Well, it's, it's just how fast it exposes. It's, it's, there's no, there's no shutter now. But so a video camera speed. is really <laughs> so taking individual stills at a certain Right. Well, it, it's worse than that because it's it's actually not. It's taking individual lines. It's what we call a rolling shutter, which means that it's so it it takes uh, it, it's how fast it scans the, the chip. It. Yeah, it's okay. not. If you see a global shutter, it's taking it all at one time. But if it's if it's a the, if it's nothing's a, fast a, enough. A, for, it's uncommon shutter. to have it be fast enough to grab the whole There's image. Some. That would There's be very expensive. It's expensive. You don't you don't put it in the cheaper so cameras. So most now. of them are scanning it. Scan, what we call a rolling shutter. And, and that's why if you, and they're if you, going if to the top of the screen vibrates. 120 times or 30, 60, 120 times yeah. a second. But what happens is, is it does that if it's if it's grabbing a frame, it's how how long does it take to grab that frame? So if it, if it holds it open and takes that frame over the entire frame rate. So if it's 24 frames a second and you have it at what we call a 360 shutter, which means it's, it's the... It's the uh, effectiveness of you, the gate was open for, you know, except there is the no whole gate time anymore, the frame was being exposed. Right. But it's like so. That. What, okay. So what we found is that if we do that, it feels a little dreamy. There's a lot of motion blur that yeah. happens in that yeah. if, if the frame is open every twenty four for twenty four frames. And so, so we we keep it. So open you can have a now, high frame rate, but twenty four frames. In effect. Well, no, no. You have a high shutter, but 24 High shutter, but 24 frames. Okay. Yeah, so you can, but and then that looks really stuttery. So, like, if you watch old World War II stuff, that's 90, that's a 90 degree. So, that's one quarter of the time. And you'll notice that, that World War II looks very, um, in yeah. fact, Saving Private Ryan, they shot the whole thing on 90, 90 degrees. To give it that To look. make it feel like World War yeah. II footage. And so, so the, um, but you, you'll notice that it feels a little, what we call framey, because there's not enough motion blur to tie yeah. The frames together and so so the now at, at a so what you have to do is every time and the problem is is that as you start to increase that you start to end up with less light you know because you're not you know so if, if you treat 120 with a with a 100 180 degree shutter you end up at, two, at one 240th of a second if you're a still frame a still photographer you know what that means it means there's not a lot of light there and so um so what you do is you uh what you can do is expose what we call 360 which is that the 120 frame per second is, is, is getting a whole, and, and it works out. I mean, for whatever reason, it works out. Okay. But it means the 60 is getting the shutter speed it expects. Um, and then this, th then to make this all more complicated is if you have led lights or regular lights, they'll all flicker they because flicker. you're now, your shutter is way faster than they are. And so, so there's, and that's why even with slow motion, sometimes you see this of, of the, of the lighting because you're, you're taking five frames for every, but but yeah. So anyway, to go back to all of the stuff is I think that 120 is coming, and I think that Apple is uniquely prepared for that because uh, they have they can turn that camera. The camera is already shooting 120. They could deliver it to Apple TV or or a lot of other devices at 120. They also build content, and now they're getting into sports, so they could go to 120 at any time. Um, probably easier than almost anybody else out there, you know. And so so it's it, and, it, and what it does is it just means that. I will say as someone who's worked in 120 in the past that you get it's addicting. 
<laughs> it's like I wouldn't shoot a film that way because it's disorienting because it's it, we expect it's brain, we have a different expectation from well, drama. Your brain also there's certain things that uh, your brain uh, starts to look at it more closely to reality. Now, some people say that outer edge is 480 degrees, but I mean, 480 frames a second. Uh, but I think that there is a sizable difference about mid 90s, like 90, I agree. In the mid 90 frames per second. Your brain starts to think about what it's looking at differently. I agree. And if and if it fills your aperture, so if you can't see anything but the video, and you're at 120 frames per second at like 8K. It's disorienting. You actually, I've actually sat there looking at an LED wall that's 8K, 120 uh, HDR, and I literally, when they moved the jib, my my stomach pulled in. Like I was like, oh, like that, that, like like my brain does not like that at all. And so, and so there's so what happens though is that means that you can't sh- shoot films the way you used to shoot them. You can't, you know, it, it's not good for everything. But what it is good for is um, capturing life, you know, around you. Uh, it's good for sports. It's good for concerts. It's good for, it turns out it's really good for some people for horror because it's, um, really like you're there. Yeah. So anyway, so, so it's, so there's a, there's a couple <laughs> things, there's a couple genres, <laughs> Yeah, but there, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so there's a genre, there's certain genres that, that, that 120 makes a lot of sense for. And then filmmaking generally, it doesn't yeah. like it's, it's better to be it. And now there, the other interesting piece of this, as we geek out is that, 24 frames a second calculate is evenly divisible into 120. So you could actually, um, there's some folks that for a couple of years and a couple of us have been playing with is you can shoot 120 and then use optical flow to use the frames that were in between that you're throwing away as um, to, to calculate the pixel vectors so that you can put the motion blur back into the 24 frames a second. So you could shoot 120, have 120, but deliver it 24. Sorry. There's a good, uh, Red has a good description uh, yeah. of this on their uh, website because I guess you can you can change this stuff but yeah. uh, the, what what made me made it make sense for me is the idea that just because it shoots 24 frames a second doesn't mean that each frame is 1 24th Ah, of a second like open that. aperture, right? <laughs> right, 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 right. So that's the like difference. That. And, 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 and if you think about photography, yeah. that uh, that could be blurrier or not. Right. And so if you, you could make it 124 or you could make it 148 or or whatever else. And I, and, and and that was what made it all click. Uh, and I had never thought yeah. of that before. All right, as long as we're talking Alex, about this. Thank you. Complete digression. <laughs> I'm watching Surface on Apple TV+. Plus. Have you seen this yet? Alex, I want you to mm-hmm. watch this. Because oh, it drives me. It's weird focus and i think they're doing it on purpose because it has to do with the story because a woman's memory is she's got amnesia <laughs> great <laughs> uh but uh and then and so but so they're playing with like the focus plane is not consistent like so the no like my my eyes are being focused my chin at the same focal plane would not be it's. It looks like yeah. tilt shift or something. It's tilt, very. That sounds like a tilt shift where they're playing with the tilt. Extremely disturbing, <laughs> and right. I couldn't finish the first hour because uh, it, not all shot that way. That's the other thing that's weird. And I guess it's probably her POV. Maybe that's that way. Mm-hmm. It's anyway. What, what you, uh, assignment for next week? Just watch a few minutes. I'm just curious what's going on with that. I've actually been looking at doing. Um, you can get some really cool tilt focus, uh, and I've been looking at getting it. You can get a Canon mount, and so I've been looking at getting a, a, like a bellows tilt. Fo- you know, like not just a tilt focus, but like a true bellows. Le- you know, yeah, camera yeah, that's the real t- t- um, tilt shift. to yeah. to put on my Blackmagic camera just to like shoot kind of fun, you know, fun shots of ants and things like that. Yeah, because it makes them uh, either look like toys or giants or yeah. yeah. 
Uh, I don't know what they're trying to do with it. It's but it's it's making me not not happy. (laughs) (laughs) So I literally I couldn't finish it. And I, maybe it's just me. I mean, I you know, obviously it must just be me because, but I'm just curious. I, I, a lot of people have different sensitivities to it. Like yeah. some people really don't like handheld. Like, you know, like. I'm used to that now. I didn't like it for a came long out, time. Everyone yeah. was like complaining about it. I thought yeah. it was great. But now we're used to it. Like it. Now it. Now it signifies this is real. You know, it's the cinema verite. Mm-hmm. No, this is, The Office is a documentary. Really, honest. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Battlestar Galactica really happened in space. Yeah, totally did. Okay, Those totally. Which, shots from which, space. Which one? <laughs> oh, yeah, good what? question. Ooh, there's oh, more my than, God. Ooh. I have a, a slight digression that's related to this, which is um, my friend Todd Vaziri, who works at ILM. He has a great Twitter account, Todd Vaziri. He uh, talks about um, these things that, that, that they don't talk about enough, which is how do you do a special effect where you need to have a clean visual of the person in the shot in order to do the, your your VFX replacement, but it's almost totally dark. Oh. And he had a couple examples on his on his Twitter feed that blew my mind because what they did is they shot it at double frame rate and had a strobe light essentially firing off at half the frame oh, rate. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Which meant, and I just I I could not even believe that this is something you could do. But you, the speed of light, it turns out, is really fast. Is every other frame was perfectly lit. And then the off frames were dark like they wanted it, which means they were able to de-interleave those frames and have the exact same scene lit and not lit. And so they could use the lit version to do all of their VFX for reference and put it in the dark shot for the final. And that this is a technique apparently that that has, has, it's not super common, but when you get to high frame rates, these things that seem completely impossible that Alex talks about are entirely possible once you are at once you can capture that many frames of reality and slice it however you want. The idea that you can do that just blows me away. It's exciting. It's 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 an exciting time to do this stuff. It's just it's a lot of data. Like you 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 know it, all these things just keep on. Like we start capturing it. I I've been doing some tests at eight K one twenty. Even and it's you know it's a it's a it's a gigabit per second. <laughs> and that's heavily compressed. That's like twelve to one. Actually, that raises, twelve to one compression is a gigabit per second. That's going to get us back on track. So thank you. you. <laughs> By the way, T V A Z I R I is his he's great. Account. You should must, must follow. And he's a prolific yeah. tweeter. So yeah, he's great. really good. Yeah. Loves movies. Yeah. Yeah. So this brings me to, and you actually brought this up in the Discord, uh, Jason. Lightning not really being a fast enough transfer for some of these higher frame rate, higher bit rate stuff. Is this the last iPhone with Lightning? Yeah. Probably. I think probably it is. Yeah. I think all the rumors are that they're going to go to USB-C next year. Uh, the rumor is also the time. iPad 10, which is the base model, will also be USB-C this yeah. year. So this- yeah, it's time. It's time. Lightning had like Lightning. Keep in mind, Lightning was invented at a time when Apple was frustrated that the USB-C stuff was just not going to happen fast enough, and so they made their own thing that did what USB-C would do, but you know, a couple of years later. And so Apple was out there first. And then they got in so much trouble with people angry that all of their docks and cables and stuff didn't work that I think they've just sort of like left it on the table. Like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But I feel like we're at the point now where... Apple, uh, you know, has almost moved everything to USB-C or Thunderbolt with the USB-C connector, right? And so 
it, it seems like it's time. And that doesn't necessarily mean faster connections, but if Apple is going to have an iPhone Pro that shoots 8K at high frame rate or whatever, it might be something that where they roll in you know, the fastest wire transfers that they can to get that data off as well. well but that's and, next year. That's not rumored for this year. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Pro version ends up with US, USB-C or Thunderbolt. You or think Thunderbolt. this year? Thunderbolt, or and then the regular version ends up with nothing. Like, it's just right. like we're going to get rid of the connector all That would be next year, though, not yeah. this year. Yeah, yeah next year. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not a, a complete believer in the no connector rumor. I know it's out there, yeah. and I'm sure it's a dream for somebody at Apple. It's like, oh, the portless iPhone. But, like, there are so many things that are enabled, like bad things, in terms of fixing a broken phone by plugging it in. Um, although I have a, a you know, the, one theory is that they're going to do a smart connector or something. So there is a way to get data off of it via uh, something like they have on the iPad, but it's not a plug like it used to be. But yeah, I think I think at least safe. some of these models are going to have a USB-C and they're going to be able to do fast data transfer because yeah. if you're shooting all of that video, um, you're going to want to get it off of there. Wi-Fi is yeah. not going to do it. So let's move to, so, and then maybe they'll do AirPods uh, in September, uh, AirPod update, which I for some reason just couldn't care less. But anyway, um, if you care, September, right, would be... When you'd get new AirPods. It's funny. I love my AirPods, and now I have different air, different headphones that I use for different things, and the one that I use the least is my AirPods. Yeah. By you know, the way, it's the winner of the most used earbuds on national television. There you go. <laughs> easily. You, you can easily <laughs> wow. tell. I mean, easily. There's no reason to put them on <laughs> except for your – it's an easy way to communicate you're on headphones is because you got something really white a that's white sticking out. in my ear. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then October would be – will they announce the Mac Pro? Mm, I don't know about they, that. They that r- rumors – Rumors are that, yeah, rumors are that they, they decided to build it on the M2 instead of the M1, and that gives them a little more time. I think they'll, they'll probably announce it by the end of the year, but it, they might. It's possible. It sounds like that's going to be a Mac and iPad event in October yeah. that they're going to do. And new laptops, do the OS though. releases and new M- hardware. M2 laptops, yeah. yeah. Right. And for people who I, are I holding off on the M2s uh, now because of thermals, presumably the MacBook Pro 14 and 16 will have fans and be less thermally constrained. We, I mean, the M1s are already faster than those systems. That shouldn't be the reason you're holding That's off. so but weird. Yeah, there will be presumably an M2 at some... Well, no, I don't think it's that weird. I mean, the, the, the M1 Pros are, are and and Maxes and Ultras are all way faster than that. The M2. M1 is a consumer chip. The M2 is a consumer chip. That's what they're made for. They're not right. made to do more than that. But, okay. but yeah, I mean, it, it will be... That's confusing to people. Right? People say it's one b- yeah. better in their minds. It's one and, better, isn't it? Yeah, so I think it's confusing to normal people. <laughs> Anybody who listens to our shows now, I think by now understands... Yeah. It's a challenge for them, but and I think that that's one of the reasons why they want to get the updates out there as fast as they can. But because um, yeah, yeah, once, be once the whole line is M two, then you can say, "Oh, this is faster. This is faster. This is faster." You can kind of see it, but now you don't. Have, you're missing that high end end two part. Yeah, we're, we're looking. We're Apple has to meet its promise of having the entire line updated by the end of this year. That yep. would mean that we we have to see a Mac, a Mac Pro announced. I. Th- I don't think we'll see one released this year. I think we'll I think we'll see very 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 late in the year we're going to actually see this thing actually exist. I'm mo- I'm most interested to see how quick how soon Apple's going to produce the first for real Apple Silicon Mac Mini uh, because the Apple Studio isn't a Mac Mini. It's an Apple. It's a Mac Studio. Uh, I'm I'm keen to see the one that doesn't necessarily cost three thousand dollars, but uh, it's the fifteen hundred dollar, twelve hundred dollar, thirteen hundred dollar mini desktop Mac that has right. not not this not the MacBook Air Generation One Apple Silicon, but 
I can configure it how I want. I can get the CPU I want. I can basically turn this into a desktop sub-pro level workhorse because I really think that's the bread and butter uh, of Mac desktops right there, the yeah. Mac Mini. And I know, I know, I know that I know that Alex is a big fan of the the having oh, the big so all many. the toasters all the toaster slots filled with Mac Minis. <laughs> each, each one chugging away, I, uh, doing their own things. <laughs> There's so many. I, I I think at one time my my last company I think we probably had near thirty of them and they're just glue for all kinds of things and now they're so much better. I only have uh, I think personally I only have eight of them, but but I think that maybe nine. <laughs> oh, so, so, is it a mistake of yeah, me to think even. of the uh, the Mac Studio as a just a Mac Mini a swole Mac Mini? It is, but so I think there's room for something below it, right? Like Apple, like they ha- still had the like the Mac Mini and then the Intel Mac Mini that was more powerful, right? I feel like, I feel like Andy is looking for the thing that's not just. I think there will be an M2 Mac Mini, but I think everybody's hoping there will be an M2 Pro Mac yes, Mini, which right. is just a little bit up because there's no there's no M1 Pro desktop at all, right? You are either at max or ultra or you're down at m1 and so for m2 i think everybody's hoping there'll be something that is a an affordable desktop probably a mac mini and ultimately an imac at some point right that as that has that extra power that of the m2 pro or maybe even optionally the max in that mac mini shape and then and then the studio is up at the high end right it's 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 max and ultra if it if it sticks around because especially that ultra chip needs an enormous amount of cooling but there's room in there for a a, a, a more powerful mac mini that's not a mac studio that's why it's swole yeah, two, for the additional cooling two, yeah yeah two two thousand two thousand bucks for the for the one with uh, no air conditioning and the factory stereo that's not the position that the mac mini has always had the Mac Mini right. has always – I've always been so impressed with the range of customers that the Mac Mini supports. It supports the person who wants a, a Mac with the minimum buy-in. So you can get one for – that would be perfectly useful. won't be terribly powerful, but perfectly useful for six, seven, eight hundred dollars $800. But then there are going to be the ones like me who are going to really spec it up past the $2,000 range. And this one is going to have maximum storage, maximum RAM, uh, the b- beefiest processor that doesn't require like a hover skirt around for cooling all that sort of stuff so that that's why i I really think i I, i've got the mac studio in advance but i really do think that when apple comes out with a modern mac mini on apple silicon that's where this money that's taped to the bottom of my desk is going to go wither the intel the intel model still for sale at a thousand they put it down on the page but that's that's apple saying hold this spot right because we know that the m1 mac mini is not powerful enough for a lot of the mac mini tasks and i feel like that's absolutely what's going to slide on in there is there'll be an m2 pro for a thousand ish dollars mac mini because I think Mac Mini starts at what six or seven hundred dollars right now for the M1. Yeah. So and then then the Intel one can finally go off the price list. Yeah, I have to I have to admit that the reason I have so many is that it's not like I bought them all. Well, I bought a bunch of them at one time, but but most of them I bought, <laughs> I bought like six of them at one time. But but but, but the um, I, I find myself going, oh, I just need one more thing to do the thing. And at six hundred bucks or seven hundred bucks, I'm like, oh, I'll just buy another one of these and we'll we'll call it a day. And so it's, but it's not like. <laughs> If it's two thousand dollars, I'm like, no, I can't do that. Like I, you know, it was a lot. I spent three thousand on the, uh, the the Max, right? Not the I didn't get the Ultra um, Studio, and I was like, oh, I haven't bought and spent this much money on a computer for a long time. I could have owned four or five Mac Minis for the same one. This button better be good, and it, it's proven to be really good. But it it was, yeah. you know, I think that um, that the Mac Minis. There's so many things you can do with it. I'd much rather have. If when I look at a two thousand dollar laptop, I'd much rather have three Mac Minis. 
You know, like then, then, a, then, yeah. then the laptop in a trench coat. Well, yeah, yeah exactly. Well, this, the, I don't travel uh, very much anymore. I, 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 you know, like so. I don't really care about laptops. Like laptops are like, uh, okay. I'm also, well, because you never, you never know where you're going to be shot at. So you got to have a Mac Mini in every pocket just to make sure <laughs> exactly, that you're covered. Exactly. It would take exactly. a bullet for you. So that yeah, is uh, yeah, exactly that could be their but new at home. Like just think. I think for for those of us working at home now, because like, I work at home most of the time. Just think about how often you take that laptop out of your out out of, out in the woods. <laughs> very rarely out, out, of the, out no, no. into the interland. My laptop Not is very portable often. only so I can go from the living room to the bedroom to the kitchen. That's the portability <laughs> I'm looking for. See, and I and the reason that I like a Mac Mini is because I don't t- do that. So I it is when I walk you out. You just of my have office, one in every room, so you don't no, have to carry no, it around. No, no, no. When I walk out of my office, the most advanced thing outside oh. of my office is my Apple TV. Oh. Like I, my office is where I work, and the rest of my the rest of my world is my phone. Okay. You know, I, I spend a lot of time on my phone, but I don't. But I don't. Ha- I don't like having computers outside the the office because then I work all the time. It's my security I, blanket. I can't go anywhere without a, a laptop under my arm. Anywhere yeah, phone. Phone is not big enough for me. I need more more real estate. Speaking oh, of which, I, whither hmm. the large screen iMac is that is that gone forever? Are we gonna stuck with twenty four inches forever? Whole, I think it's a whole displacement. Yeah, Ger- I mean, Mark Gurman says that it's coming, but I it's see just that. late. But where but and like when next. and how? Good question. I hope I hope soon, but it sounds like not soon. It makes me very sad too. I mean, I I've now I bought an external display in a Mac Studio, and I'm me pretty too. happy with it. But like, yep. I was a 27 inch iMac user for many years there, and I, if they had made a, an M1 Pro 27 inch iMac, I would have bought it. And they they haven't. We so have rumor. Herman says it everywhere. might even be M3 before we see it. Although wow. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be next year, and I think it'll probably be an M2 Pro. 27 inch iMac and they'll call it iMac Pro for kicks and we'll be happy. Okay. Yeah. That's my I th- I've I think that maybe the large screen iMacs are a device whose time has passed. It it is kind of heartbreaking to consider that boy when that thing when that thing gets out of date either because the CPU is the CPU is, is not up to the task anymore or can't run the latest uh, latest OS or simply that okay well guess what you just lost your SSD and now you're close enough into end of life on this device that you kind of want to buy a new one rather than get a motherboard swap it's really heartbreaking you're throwing away that beautiful power monitor. supply huge screen monitor. all of this all of this stuff yeah. When you could, if you had just gotten a Mac Mini and a display, even if you're mm-hmm. not necessarily, even if it's time for you to upgrade the display too, mm-hmm. well, great. Can, now, you, now your kids get a better, get a monitor mm-hmm. get upgrade on their gaming setup. It just there, there are things that are just seem like it's so it, in so many circumstances the a big screen iMac is just wasteful and it's not going to deliver the advantages of here's a compact just like the original Mac from 1984 and the way that every uh, low level Mac and iMac has been since the concept that at some point you can grab it pick it up move it to another room uh, and then congratulations now you've got uh, if you're too sick to get out of bed now it's on your nightstand and you can actually be gaming or whatever in bed put in the kitchen whatever that's the that's the that's what you use a small screen iMac for. I just don't see what the large screen iMac is going to be. Our, for our uh, all our old iMacs go to John so he can do things like run his house automation and <laughs> stream stream twin <laughs> on a beautiful Here five frame monitor. Uh, a brain uh, the size I, of a planet, and now they've just got me showing exactly, what the weather is today, exactly. and a picture have, of the grandchildren. I, I, I have I have old stuff like old iPads and old uh, Mac Minis and old. I mean, I have my little Telestrator that I use here. This is 
It's like a 2012 Mac Mini. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know that just laying around. It's not like I went out. And it's good it, if you, you have know? little jobs that they can do, but it just feels yeah sad. Like it's like a says. Raspberry Pi, but it was just laying around. Yeah, it's like well, a five thousand dollar and it's, and Raspberry it's Mac OS. Pi. Well, no, but it's not. It's not anymore. It's 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 now. But it you know, was. Is the point? That's the point. It was. But the way the Raspberry Pi sell for right now, you you it's probably yeah the resale. <laughs> Literally, I think John, are you using a Mac uh, an iMac to stream? No, you use a Raspberry Pi for that. Yeah. But you do other things yeah. with the IMAX, I know. <laughs> but I, I, I would also like to think that people are... <laughs> They're mostly replaced. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I, I would also like to think that people are going to be clever enough to take advantage of continuity in the future to say that, well, maybe I'm not going to turn this the, my first-generation Apple Silicon uh, Mac Mini into a, a, into a media server in the living room. Maybe I'm going to keep it like it's going to... I'm going to have a stack of two... And I'm the, and I I'm gonna have it's gonna have its own separate monitor right next to the monitor for the brand new Mac Mini that I just bought, and but and the fact that I can simply use one keyboard and mouse sort of invisibly between these two, I can now whenever I'm ripping a DVD or a Blu-ray or doing a big big transcode, it's, it's basically uh, the, the, these extra processors also happen to have their own cooling, their own power supply, their own data channel, everything. Uh, that's it's yeah. the, the flexibility of having this again. Snap another red Lego brick onto the stack if you have if you have these uh, these devices. I mean, three thousand dollars for a, a Mac Studio or three thousand dollars worth of Mac Minis, which you can then deploy and redeploy uh, like nanites exactly where you need them to go. That's that's an interesting proposition. Well, October will be interesting. And we'll have really lots to talk about then. And, and expensive, I'm guessing, for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think September is going to be expensive because I mm-hmm. skipped. I have an iPhone 12 and a, a Series 7 or Series 6, I guess. So I, I skipped last year. I start saving up about now. Yeah. <laughs> I just go. Put well, your pennies aside, kids. You know, like, I, and, and with the phone, you know, I, I've definitely learned to get my, this phone, the phone that I have now, the 13, is going to go to my my wife who doesn't like to spend money on phones and i'm like but the pictures the pictures are so much better we do have <laughs> so a, we have a nice hand-me-down system none of this yeah. gets uh, none of this gets wasted it's the very mm. end of the hand-me-down that that uh, lisa calls you know uh, the, uh i can't remember those are good swap atomic clock yeah it, it's good it's atomic, atomic clock, clock. There you, go. you put it on, put it on there the that's what yeah, the the poor person at the end of the food chain has to was has to like come up to you and say, yeah, but this this is a, a gray scuzzy Terminator. I need the black scuzzy Terminator because this is a, a two well, FX. <laughs> I, gave my, I gave my I gave my son one of my my old iPhone ten, and I gave my daughter the iPhone twelve Pro, and he's like, why why did 10? that happen? And I was like, why do we get the ten? I was like, I was like, I was like, because because I've seen what your phone looks yeah. like. I mean, the button was hanging out. No, what you <laughs> like, tell like, him I like, is, I was that's like, I was the like, greatest like, iPhone they ever made was the iPhone yeah. 10. No, I said if, if if you can make it a couple weeks, I have because I have some old ones. I have another one for testing. <laughs> yeah, I'll get. I'll just I give you another old, old, but yeah. I'll give you an old one. But I just want. I just like. I can if you crack that one, I will. We not we feel horrible. We practically have a lab set up when the new iPhones come in. Where we take yeah. the Sims out, put it in the new one, pass yeah. it down, and then you know various family members are at the table, well, and, they, <laughs> and, and this and the other old thing one is, goes to him, and then the, then and then it's hysterical. But, but that's also why I've gotten into. I put it in a case, I put a screen protector yeah. on it. I'm not going to be the only one that uses this this in the yes, family. It has a future. And so, yeah, and so it's it's going to go good. out with a case, and your job is to keep it that way until the next one. And yeah, exactly, exactly what you're talking about, trying to keep them feeling like they're new. So you see, periodically, I will pick Alex's brain for things like you know whatever the hell 180 degree 
shutter is. You can do that yourself this Thursday. Alex is doing an AMA, the rescheduled AMA, 9 a.m. Pacific. Uh, that's noon Eastern time. That's 1600 UTC. If you're in Club Twit, that's the deal. And then the following week, I'm excited. Uh, Stacey Hagenbotham's book club will be doing Clara and the Sun. Still time to read it. It's not a long book, but it's sure a great book. Highly recommend it by Ishigara, Ishiguru. Uh, that's just one of many things that goes on in the club. And I wanted to use this time to solicit uh, your membership. Club Twit is $7 a month. People told us on the cruise, they said, you should really raise that. Nope, we're not going to raise it. We think it's a, you know, we want to, we want everybody to be a member, everybody who could afford it. So if you can afford a couple of lattes a month, what do you get? Ad-free versions of all the shows. You get access to this Discord, which is more than just events. It's a conversation space uh, on all kinds of topics, not just even the shows. And then the Twit Plus feed, which has all the stuff that we don't actually get into the uh, shows. And there's a lot of it, pre and post show and. Special shows like the Untitled Linux show, uh, the Hands-On Mac, Hands-On Windows, both of which are club-only right now. Uh, Stacy's Book Club, same thing, the Giz Fizz. We have a lot of shows that are in that uh, Twit Plus feed. Seven bucks a month for that. And let me tell you why it's important to us. It, we, for instance, here's an example. Today on MacBreak Weekly, there was one ad. So that means there's a shortfall, and the club members really help us make up that shortfall. It's very up and down. The ad business right now is in, in uh, kind of complete turmoil. Uh, we realized that the ideal way to do what we do would be uh, with listener support. So this is this is how we're doing it. We didn't take away anything from people who listen to the free feeds. Those are all there, but we have started adding things because the club helps us pay for it. So if you're not a member of the club, please think about it. Go to twit.tv slash club twit. There's monthly, there's annual, there's corporate memberships. And you can buy shows individually. For instance, if you just listen to MacBreak Weekly, the ad-free version of MacBreak Weekly is uh, less than $3 a month. So all of that is at twit.tv slash club twit. And we really thank you for that. Coming up, let's talk about ads. Uh, ATT, application uh, tracking, what is it? Uh, application tracking transparency. Kind of in the news for two reasons. One, Apple is about to add new ad units. Uh, Mark Gurman, Bloomberg, Apple finds its next big business showing ads on your iPhone. Oh, great. Uh, and then along with that, by the way, that hasn't happened yet, but uh, Gurman says Apple is set to expand ads to new areas of your iPhone and iPad in search of the next big revenue driver. Uh, but there's also an interesting piece uh, about the effectiveness of ATT. This is on Nick here's Pixel Envy uh, blog. Ad tech revenue statements indicate unclear effect of ATT. Facebook and everyone else very quick to say, oh, we're going to lose a $10 billion thanks to Apple allowing you to turn off tracking. Uh, but at the same time as that happened, COVID happened. The recession, uh, currency fluctuation, supply chain issues, all of these things affected the market. And there is some evidence that ATT did not have as much of a negative effect as some are claiming. One of the points of evidence here is that the iPhone is much more popular than Android only in North America. Everywhere else, the reverse is true. And yet, so in other words, ATT is only mostly available to people in North America. Yet, 
these same revenue drops occur globally. So mm-hmm. one would expect North American revenue would fall faster in Q3, but it, but it's not exactly the case. So it is other. There's other headwinds. It's another cocktail of headwinds, as um, Luca oh, Maestri might yeah. say. Yes, oh, hmm. that refreshing cocktail. What do you guys think uh, uh, of all that? Well, sp- speaking of headwinds, uh, that that's that's an interesting thing to evaluate because uh, Facebook and Meta, Facebook slash Meta. I'm sorry. It's like it's like it's like using Photoshop as a trademark verb. I am not. You can tell me to do to call Facebook Meta. I will not do that. Uh, but uh, during their earnings call, that's that's one of the things they specifically mentioned as a problem that they're facing ahead with that they're facing in the future. Yeah. And it, let me which, just throw this in: their yearly revenue decline was a billion in Europe. 600 million in North America. It was yeah. worse in Europe where a- where ATT is not a problem. Yeah. But I'm I'm, I'm sorry what I was, what I was what I was going to say is that they have to be really really careful about what they say during an earnings call because that could really trip them up in, into legal consequences later on. So I wonder where they get that where they got that data from if they felt as though they were confident enough to assert that during an earnings call or or maybe I'm just misremembering. Well, yeah, I want to read they, the, they the exact that. verbiage because they may have weaseled yeah. it, right? We don't I can't remember Good what the point. exact verbiage I'm I'm, is. I'm doing I'm searching for it right now to see yeah. for the transcript. Yeah. Uh, let's see, 2022 Q2. I've got a PDF, unfortunately, of the Q2 2022 earnings presentation from Meta. Let me. I wonder if they. Well, this is just. Uh, these are just slides, so it's not going to. Yeah, you need the transcript of what they said. I mean, obviously, Meta hates application tracking transparency. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they hate yeah. it. Yeah, obviously. So, so Ben Thompson wrote a piece on Stratechery the other day that said that Nick Heer's argument is a little bit weak because he doesn't factor in the strength of the dollar and the size of the iPhone uh, market share in the different regions. And that if you adjust for currency and then you consider the iPhone market share being so great in the United States, and then you factor in things like maybe the Ukraine war, what 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 Ben basically says is, look, I'm sympathetic with the idea that a app tracking transparency is a good policy, but if you look at the results, we cannot pretend that it didn't have an impact. It seems to have had an impact, and that the argument you can make the numbers look like they didn't, but if you if you adjust for currency valuation and adjust for the how many iPhones there are in the North American market, then it sounds like it actually did have an impact it, it, to Meta's business, for sure. I love uh, Ben, uh, and, you know, I, I, I trust him, but I, I think we need some economists to really weigh in mm-hmm. on this and get all the data and get and really get some idea sure. of this. I think it's more like Nick here says this, Ben Thompson says this. Yeah. I You know, I, I, I think we can't and some of Ben's argument is, any of them with well, it's just not intuitive that ATT would have had an effect. But, uh, you know, I, I guess I, I would say as, as the user, regardless of the effect, I think I have the right to say I don't want to be tracked. Yeah. Oh, I don't think anybody's saying Apple shouldn't have that switch. If it, Apple if it should. Lit the, if, it, if it lit the meta, meta um, offices on fire, I don't care. Right. Like, I don't care. No, like, I, I, don't, I, I want to be able to say. We as as the data collection on us keeps on increasing, I think we have to increasingly have. You know, uh, my question is whether AT and T went ATT went far enough. Well, but, like, but, but here, but I think yes. Here's the point. When you say here's the point of the all option. of this argument from the consumer's point of view is: Does ATT really accomplish anything? If it didn't hit ad markets in the way that Facebook's whining about, 
then ATT isn't really accomplishing anything. It's a but it's, I just think that I think window that, dressing. Well, I think that Apple is. I think this is the beginning of Apple going down a path, yeah. not the end. Yeah. So I think when we say, before, well, it doesn't yeah, have you know the thing is if they if Apple went all the way that they could go in one year. There'd be congressional meetings and there'd be a bunch right. of other things. There already are, right, based on, on some of this stuff. And so I think what you're seeing is, uh, you know, Apple slowly, you know, slowly circling the wagons around like we're going to keep on turning this this dial up. You know, we're going to make it allow you to be more private. We're going to take, you know, we're going to allow you to say, I don't want to be part of these things. I'm going to turn this off, this off, this off. And but they can't do it all at one time. And so, yeah, sure, it's not going to have the, the impact that it can have. But I think that as you look at the the overall view of what Apple's doing, we're going to let you hide your email. We're going to let you, cho- you know, cho- you know, opt out of ATT. We're going to let you close down your phone some more. We're going to, you know, this is a this is a, and I'm not saying that they're being altruistic or they're on our side. This is just their business model. Privacy is a business model that they're going to keep on moving down the path. Oh, and by the way, I do, I do have the transcript in front of me, and they do mention this four or five times. Uh, Zuck talks about does, doesn't doesn't label doesn't mention the the feature by name. They simply refer to iOS iOS uh, iOS feature changes, Apple iOS rollouts. But they do refer to has, uh, having targeting and measurement uh, had significant headwinds as a result of these changes. But they, you're right. There is there is some weasel language in there, so that if they were to say that if they were to say that oh well, we didn't actually say that. The specific feature was was dishing us it could also be the nearly universal use of ad blocking these days it could be a lot of things i mean i use firefox which literally explicitly blocks facebook uh so i mean i think more and more it's 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 a consumer revolt against tracking that really is going to hurt these companies and it had i think it had to do with just how crazy the companies got like this was something that yeah they worked really well and they just were like well we could connect it to your what you're spending on like we can connect it to when you're at safeway what did you buy and how do we add that to your profile and who are you standing next to for a long period of time let's add that to your profile and you know all the you know and and what are you watching at home well let's add that to your profile and and like we can add all these things and i think at some point people started to get weirded out because, you know, they were talking at a party with somebody who, and now they're hearing it and they think, well, Facebook must be listening to me, which is probably unlikely actually. Um, but, but it's because that person, the other person who was talking about it had did a search and you were standing next to them and, and that they do. And, and so the, so the thing is, is that, is that it's just weird. It starts weirding people out. And the thing is, is that people say, well, that people are, are taking, we don't get relevant ads. I don't want relevant ads. Like I, I actually don't want those. Like I want, I want them to be just ads towards me because it's easier for me to ignore them. <laughs> like, you know, and it's, I don't want things that catch my eye. I don't want things to go, ooh, I'm now going to waste three minutes looking at something I didn't need until I saw the picture. Like, I don't, I don't really want that as a, as a consumer anymore. Yeah. I used to. I used to think that was going to be cool, and now I don't. It's too bad they re- they really wasted a, a golden opportunity because yeah. you know I if, if if in the abstract if you if if the if you've seen this television commercial in uh, in the 1980s that had this vision of the future and say now instead of being inundated with ads on all over your newspaper and ads all over your your your, your postal box what if like the if they know that you're shopping for a pair of snow tires and when there's a really good sale on snow tires it'll basically alert you that hey here's this store nearby 
nearby that has the snow tires of your rare uh, style and rare size and it's nearby and and we want to connect you to a local retailer and that's all possible and they could have done that but they overreached and now it really is so intrusive that they're packaging and selling so much uh, so much information on such a mercenary level it's it's like they feel as though you're cheating them if you are not exposing as much of your life to these marketing agencies as, as possible ben thompson so also yeah. points out and i think uh, this is an important point that app tracking transparency does not mean what you think it means. Uh, he, he, he has a long discussion. Of, he says uh, a lot of the most ardent defenders of Apple's ATT are against targeted advertising as a category, which is to say they're against companies collecting data and using that data to target ads. He says that's not Apple's definition. That's not what Apple is doing. Apple from app ATT is about Tracking is only when app data Apple collects is then linked with data from third parties for targeted advertising or measurement, or when data is shared or sold to data brokers, which admittedly is the worst kind of ad tracking. That's what ATT does. But Apple says the data that they collect and use for advertising, that's not tracking. That's not what we're talking about. And this comes down to the fact that Apple is going to start doing more yeah. advertising. A Apple considers it third-party ads, and Apple considers all of the data it can collect about you as an Apple user, from your behavior in the App Store, what apps you've downloaded, what subscriptions you have, anything your Apple Maps searches, anything that it collects about you as an Apple customer, it can build a profile yeah. for you. And, and it we've said can that. change the content and based that's on what, that that's what because it's a first-party relationship. And that's, their, that's yep. their argument, which, you know, there are only so many first-party relationships. There's kind of iOS and And that's and why they're being investigated <laughs> over ATT by the EU. You would think the privacy regulators at EU would say, oh, this is a good thing. But what they're saying is it really is just ad, ad, advantaging first-party companies like Apple, Amazon, Google, because they have their own data. It's only disadvantaging third-party tracking. And so well, you know, what is, they're saying it's the Apple's self-dealing. It's self-dealing on Apple's part. This is all to yeah. their benefit. I, I think that, but, but I think that, I, again, I think you could, you could have Apple users decide... Like, do you want Apple to track you? Do you, do you want to? Well, that's a button we'd like to see, but there is no that, button. That, to there do is a that, feature. Right. That, that feature actually does exist. There oh, is a does. don't yeah. personalize ads in iOS. It is buried, yeah. but it is there. Okay. So you can turn it off. And right. I think I think the key point with with all of this is it's not just self serving, right? It is self serving. It is also. I mean, I believe that Apple does believe what it says about privacy and about not being tracked. However, there are also people at Apple who realize that creates an opportunity for Apple as a trusted first-party <laughs> source of information to make money selling ads itself, right? It's, so it's a little bit from and, column A and a little bit from column B. I think both are true. It's like, you know, like with so much where people say, oh, Apple cares about your privacy. That's just marketing. It's like, well, no, it's not just marketing. But it is marketing, too. It's both but, of those things. But, but again, the, the third party is important, though, in the sense that uh, the the idea is Facebook can still track you and they can still look at what you like and, and all those other things while you're in Facebook. And, and that's not when you turn ATT on what what it does turn off is they can't keep on selling all that and, you know, making you, you know, basically cutting you cutting your information up into little blocks and selling it and trading it with everybody else. And that is the thing that is, you know, really, I mean, it is there is a it's not just self-dealing. There is a huge difference between first party and third party. <laughs> like, like, you know, uh, first party is is you are in 
this platform, whether it's Facebook or Google or whatever, and that is the trade-off that you made. Yeah. Uh, you know, third party is whoring you out to everybody Absolutely. else, like like while you're sleeping. Absolutely. You know, like and, and the data so that brokers is a very are huge problems. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It should be. It it is. It's evil. <laughs> like, you know, like and and it's and first party is I I'm in Facebook. I know that Facebook's going to follow me. I know they're going to try to customize my you know my my feed and everything else. Or I'm using Google, and that's that's. But but the, there is. It's not just self dealing. It is it is self dealing. I mean, um, first party is. I agree as a user visually. I understand that I'm in this space and I'm getting tracked or I'm using these services and that's the trade off. Third party is like a whole different whole different thing. You know, it's waking. You know, it's it's all your data being just pushed out into all these different, you know, all these different, um, data, data brokers and everything else. And, and we have, again, some people may choose that that's fine with them. It turns out about 30% think that that's fine and that's great, you know, but for, for those of us who want to choose to not be there, we should have the right to do that. It, it ties into this, um, article by uh, Felix Krauss on his blog, KrausFX.com, iOS privacy, what a surprise. Instagram and Facebook can track anything you do on any website in their in-app browser. Well, duh. I guess if you didn't know this, the you know, when you use the browser in Facebook and Instagram, you're not actually using a third-party browser. You're using Facebook and Instagram. And even though ATT is turned on and Apple runs WebKit, the nature of the of the code is that uh, yeah. All third-party links and ads within their app uh, using this custom browser will tell them everything. Uh, and I would know very little bit because the one thing is I still use Facebook. Like I still go up on on my computer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I took all the all the meta apps off my phone because of the battery life. <laughs> the battery yeah, life is like right. literally twice as long. Twice as so long without, the, without as an the, example, the, the Instagram app injects JavaScript code into every website shown, including when clicking on ads. Uh, which gives Facebook, you know, Facebook that information about everything you're doing on all those other sites. But I, I, this when I saw this, I thought, well, I didn't even want to include it in the rundown. I thought, well, don't doesn't everybody know that? No, no, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> nobody knows it. <laughs> so just be just be aware, you know, when you're using Facebook properties, uh, they're first party. Yeah. Well, it's it's always it's. It's a. I really wish that there was some sort of a dingus that made it really, really explicitly clear that you know, you know, you have not left this app. It, it did not open this link inside the Safari browser. No, you do not have all the safety, security, and protections of the Safari browser. You are still in the realm of of, of, of meta of meta world, uh, and its meta world is still a dangerous and smelly place. Yeah. Well, and and I think that I, I wouldn't be surprised that if Apple didn't add that to it. It's just that. Again, we're we uh, yeah. you're slowly closing. You, you just slowly love closing the door. That. Yeah, but we had you know we had the you know we we talked about this I think in the past like Secret Service when they close up a space it's like they they close these streets and then these streets yeah, and yeah. they slowly inch go around. Inch. Yeah, and then they put the then they put the metal detectors in and now no one can do it any other way. You know, and so I think what we're seeing is Apple's just building a perimeter. Yeah. You know, and and at some point they'll 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 just keep tightening it probably for the next decade until yeah. it's pretty locked down. Andy, you still uh, post on Instagram, right? Yeah, would you I still, would, would you consider getting rid of your Instagram account? Um, the it's it gives me too much pleasure because there are a lot of I have a lot of parasocial relationships on Instagram yeah, that too. I really really enjoy, and that would be I, I'm getting something that is worth 
the abuse that I'm getting from from Facebook. It's not it's not a terribly unfair trade. Do you use it on you your really phone or or do do it like Alex does, just on the browser on the desktop? I do I do it on my phone because I'm taking pictures on it's the phone convenient. as well. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I, I don't. I've never had the face. Never once have I had the Facebook app on any of my. Uh, no, I don't even have a Facebook account, or but, or anything like that. But I feel like if yeah. I have an Instagram account, I might as well have a Facebook account, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you can't get you can't I, get around it. And and to be fair, every every time this topic comes up, I have to remind myself that I I think Facebook is just a terrible company. I think that they take joy in saying if you put a barrier, if if I explicitly as a user put up a barrier that says that I do not want you to cross this barrier, they'll nod and say, okay, well, obviously the job for me now is to figure out a way around this barrier. And it's just ignorant and it's just terrible and it's an it's adversarial relationship. But my real my real adversaries here are the independent data brokers because Google Google's connect. I, I'm, I use a lot of Google products. I have a Google phone. I love it. I think it's a. I think that that's, it's a great transaction for me. Uh, but also part of the reason why I quote trust unquote Google with my data is that it's too valuable for them to sell it to anybody else. They'll use it to help target ads, but they're never going to sell my personal information to anybody else. Whereas the all these other stupid little rat-like uh, data collection companies, if someone wants to know, hey, does Andy have any serious illnesses, and if so, where is what is his? Where has he been getting treatment for that for those serious illnesses? They will, even though there are laws protecting my medical history, they will there will there will be uh, uh, data data aggregators that will be able to systemically figure out that we can't we can't determine exactly what his situation is. But yes, he is regularly seeking medical treatment for one or more uh, serious uh, serious diseases, and that's just not right. Where where does he live? Where is he? liable to be at 4 p.m. on a Tuesday. How did he vote? These are all things that can be collected and simply bought and sold like potato chips. And that is why it's just a terrible, terrible time to live in, lacking any uh, legal protections against abuse of my uh, my private information. Any other thoughts? Do you still use Instagram, Jason Snell? Uh, yeah, but occasionally. And I, I sort of, I, ca- I can't deactivate my Facebook account entirely because I have a a meta quest <laughs> and you've got to have one but i like i, I that's basically by the way everything. why i don't have a quest yeah it's too good <laughs> i have to have it but it's it's a i i've i i very rarely go on facebook i very rarely go on instagram although i do occasionally i don't like facebook as a company but i think that there is something to the idea that there are first party relationships you have with companies that you can you can choose to trust and that that is not the same as companies facilitating the compilation of a of a a profile of a dossier about you based on everything you do on the internet and i think that we can debate whether either of those are great but one of them is clearly worse than the other one and uh, (laughs) i think everybody would agree on that i doxed myself last night i thought i should see what is out there about me and went to these one of these sites where you pay him 25 bucks and uh, they will do a background check there's nothing about me you can't find out yeah. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, and and it's you know, and and again, this uh, this can already affect your employment status. It can already affect. Well, there are laws against um, you use, which is weird. We can't well, do a background check before <laughs> yeah. hiring somebody, which is weird. Right. But that's protect. You know, the employee, the prospective employee, is protected by privacy rules. In yeah. fact, in these on these sites, you have to say, "No, I'm not using this for employment." <laughs> right, right. Just stalking. I'm just stalking. Exactly. <laughs> just stalking right. myself. It's bad. It's. I mean, there is. There are no secrets. 
Yeah, right. And and I think that again, we have uh, there aren't, and you shouldn't assume that you're private. <laughs> like that's definitely something you should keep out of your head. But but the but I also think that um, uh, that we should keep on being able to be given more and more choice over how much we want to check I in, totally how much we check you. out. Yeah, that's, all, that's all I'm saying. I'm like, I'm not like, I don't no, have a thing. I'm, I mean, I have, a lot, I have a lot of friends that work at Facebook and I, and I know a lot of good people are doing good things there. And, and, and it's not, you know, this is the, but the problem is their business model is based around our privacy. And so that we're just at a, at a, <laughs> at a fracture point in that area. I still have accounts on everything. Anytime a new social network comes up, I open it up. I keep it there because I just don't know whether I need, I'll need it later. But, but at the same time, I spend very little time. I think the only one that I spend particularly any amount of time is Twitter and mostly because it's really short. Like I don't have yeah. to. I ain't got and, and it has that. a great filter. Well, it's also got a great filter. Like I, you know, we've talked about in the past, I've got 150 terms that are mostly political that, I don't see. So my, like my version of Twitter is so much nicer than everybody else's evidently because people yeah. like get so upset and I'm like, I don't even know what is happening. Yeah. So block and mute and filter. Oh yeah. It's a oh, wonderful yeah. thing. Um, all right. I think we should probably, uh, since it's getting late, getting time to, uh, pick our picks of the week. If you all agree, unless there's something I Indeed. missed that you really want to talk Ready. about. I did want to talk about NASA Sounds sending good. an iPad to the moon, but we'll do that next week. <laughs> Got to save something for next week. We're going to be just as short of stories. That's for been the around for the month. yeah. They've been, they've been saying they're going to do that. They might actually do it sometime. Yeah, end of the month of, uh, supposedly. <laughs> SLS. Yeah, 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 I know. Uh, Hopefully, we'll get there. Artemis, an iPad, so that Cisco, which is paying for this, WebEx can call Amazon Echo <laughs> and ask it a question. Yeah. <laughs> And by so the way, weird. it says in an industry-funded experiment, which tells me that right. Cisco, <laughs> Amazon had probably paid for it. I wonder if Apple. Apple doesn't pay for product placement, but the, I note I that know. They, all these stories mention the iPad. So it's usually yeah, so. supporting NASA with what it does is usually yeah, seen as kind of a wholesome. It's wholesome. wholesome. Yeah, it's wholesome. Mm -hmm. How much money was spent creating a, a Pepsi and Coke dispensers that would work on the space shuttle? <laughs> a lot of money. Exactly. Man. Wait a minute. They have Pepsi and Coke dispensers on the space shuttle. Coca Cola actually like funded, uh, they actually funded an actual like fountain like drinks dispenser that what? actually flew, flew on the shuttle. They act. They were also. They I think both Coke and Pepsi created. If you if you Google it, created cans with like built in like hard plastic like straws at the yes. top of it, so that you could like enjoy a can of ice cold wonderful coke in zero gravity on the shuttle i don't it'd be more fun to zip around you know zip around the the, the cargo bay with as a propulsion system i think but it wasn't i don't think i don't think taxpayer funds went into the the uh, oh, the investigation sure the development oh, no. stuff but yeah it's, it's a it's a fun little thing it's a little bit of a zest for the space program a little bit of zest for the brand and mm. it's kind of fun. To Here think, it is. You know, at, at some at, at some point, I'm if I spend fifty million dollars, <laughs> I'm going to be looking for that Coke dispenser. It looks like a whipped cream dispenser. Yeah, it does. You could be doing nitrous. Coke's uh, is a little bit different. It's uh, the dispenser head is like offset. One also, giant like, sip for mankind. Yeah, they're, they're gonna be. They're gonna be. God doing bless capitalism. Wow. God bless yeah. it. I like it that they have the cap is on a string, though, so it doesn't go floating around. There you go. Yeah. What does Not this mean? Everything. Usage conditions may apply. 
I wonder. I wonder if they went up to test it. They just went into a vomit comet and just like, let's see how this works. Who wants a drink? Well, because yeah. well, you know, as bad as it is to like knock a sugar a sugar soda onto your keyboard here, imagine just yeah. like you know having having a, a, a small sticky. incident with this big coke this, this big cloud of, uh, of of sticky coke basically finding its way into things you need to get back home safely yeah. in 1980 this is by the way from the air and space museum uh but and the object is not on display at the national air and space museum it is either on loan or in storage according to the website in 1984 researchers for coca-cola had an idea about dispensing carbonated beverages in space to give astronauts more choices to drink and also to create a stellar advertising opportunity, the company developed a can that would work in weightlessness to keep the cola fizzy without spewing out of the can. NASA agreed to let the astronauts try the Coke device on a shuttle flight. When Pepsi learned of this project, <laughs> it wanted to participate, developed its own container. Both Coke and Pepsi products were flown on STS-51-F in 1985 so that... Crew members could evaluate the dispensers and do a taste test. Results were mixed, and NASA did not add either company's product to the shuttle food pantry. Yeah, they uh, zero gravity messes with your sense of smell and taste too. So like COVID, it, huh? Yeah, well, because well, it's because it, there's airflow right that's different in zero zero g than it is in in normal gravity. So apparently things taste weird. Interesting. But don't yeah. go looking well, for this at the Udvar Hazy Center because it ain't on there. display. Yeah. It ain't there. Oh, well, well, there, there the, was also the, on STS seventy seven the, the the Coke the actual fountain Coke machine that I was the, that I was thinking about flew uh, flew on STS seventy seven as the described as the fluids generic bioprocessing <laughs> apparatus two. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it held one point six five liters each of Coke. And Diet dispenser, Coke. The dispenser, oh. the dispenser tested if carbonated beverage could be produced from separately stored carbon dioxide, water, and flavored syrups, and if the resulting fluids could be made available for consumption without foam formation. Just Unfortunately, like in the FGBDA, yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. it, really, it, really, it really is. I don't know what Wendy's does, like in the ice machine, to make that special kind of ice that they make in the dispenser. Ooh, that's, that's 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 the selling point for me. You know, you can get that. You can get you can get a desktop. You can get a, a one that sits on a countertop that does the Wendy's um, ice. Here is by I the way, because my wife won't give me the desk that she won't give me the counter space. It's five hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> yeah. In case you're wondering, it'll do it. It'll do we'll it. Get it here. It's Let's really get it great. Here. Let's get it here. You should get it. Is that yeah, all it is? Five fifty? Like, no, it's like five hundred fifty dollars. Bad for your yeah. teeth. Okay. Here's uh, astronaut Curtis Brown preparing to activate the fluids generic bioprocessing apparatus two on the mid deck. I note that it does have the name Coca Cola right there and. In, in prominent letters, the the the, fur, the full wave <laughs> device, as it is described. <laughs> well, and yeah, the big the thing is, is that not only not only did not only did NASA most likely get a little scratch to put that to put that in oh, there, yeah. but but they also got. I'm sure that Coca Cola developed a whole bunch of technologies that were like might be useful, and they probably spent ten or twenty million dollars on that that NASA didn't have to spend to figure that out. So it's probably useful. Um, this is a picture I want to frame and, and put up somewhere. I just think that that's a yeah. very, <laughs> this is, Coke we, and a thought, smile. we thought it'd be Hal 9000. Instead, it's the fluids. Yeah. <laughs> How do you get the, uh, the Coke machine to work on? I'm space sorry, shuttle? Dave. I you only have small. Pepsi. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Also, the, also the astronauts. Like, I hope that they were fully briefed on this part of the mission because they would have had to bring their own quarters. Yeah. Imagine yeah, like exactly. being like a dime short for exact. He's got change a pretty big machine. fanny pack on those astronaut shorts. Maybe yeah. he has some quarters in there. I don't They're know. Going. Exactly. 
Um, okay. Picks of the week time. <laughs> this show, uh, you learned, I think we learned a lot about a lot of things in this show. That's all, that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm gonna we all grew. This, we grew as people. Some of them were tangentially know, related to Apple. Any, any tech podcast becomes, shades into sort of choose your own adventure territory in, in August. Yeah. Like the month, the yeah. month before yeah. the wave, the last wave. Of exactly. The wave is coming. Why don't you kick us off, Andy, with your pick of the week? Mine is a very boring but, oh, my God, useful app that's been around for like five, six, seven years called Folder Tidy, which tidies your folders. Uh, and uh, there's, uh, I, I'm the sort of guy who I'm always just like buying this, buying like eight terabyte drives or uh, or uh, 512 gigabyte uh, uh, Samsung like T3 drives and just using it as just like temporary storage or using it to free up space wherever. And it's just like a bucket where I just toss things into it. Then when it fills up, I disconnect it, put some half-hearted label on it, put it in the closet. Uh, Folder Tidy automates the, really makes it quick and easy to automate the process of organizing the stuff that's just in whatever whatever source folder or source volume you, you, you want to have. If it's as simple as saying, look, there's just this big pile of stuff where everything that I've downloaded just or tried to get off of, the, off of my MacBook to free up space just got dumped so please put all of the all the different file types in their own folders or separate them by dates uh you can be a little bit more sophisticated like uh, i download a lot of uh like museum art and usually almost always the, what designates a jpeg that is actually like a, a piece of uh, museum art from anything else that uh, that i might have downloaded or copied onto the drive usually because it will have a date uh, and it usually usually will not be like in the 21st century. So you can add filters and add specifications. And say, oh, by the way, if it is a JPEG or a PNG file and it has a has the a string of uh, a, a string of number a string of digits that are numbers that start with one nine, please put it in a in a folder called Fine Art that you will then create. So it's just it's it's not designed to be uh, like a you're you have to understand this three ring binder worth of scripting language and uh, and and tags and uh, and, and switches to make this work it is very very simple everything that it can do is right there in the interface but it means that you can have uh, truly i've had it i've had a process like three terabytes worth of files and reorganize them and it takes just minutes to do because it's using every single uh, new feature and leverage that the new file system of mac os has uh, and it's on it's normally 10 bucks i think it's on sale for five bucks uh right now uh and it is the sort of thing where if I were, more, if, I, I shouldn't need this app because I should be more organized and tidy, so that I'm always simply putting files away to where they belong. But once again, every single time uh, I'm, I've got like 30 gigabytes or less of space free on my MacBook. It becomes like the, the 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 hurricane's coming. We got like 20 minutes to fill up the back of the car with as many possessions as possible before we evacuate, and that's how I just folder find or copy things off there. This will actually straighten it out so that with very very little effort you can get things organized on your own good stuff uh just before we go to another pick uh, thank you scooter x in our chat room there is a system issue uh an icloud right now if you go to the apple system status page some yellows under icloud bookmarks calendar contacts drive keychain mail storage upgrades web app web apps and photos i don't know how extensive that issue is but uh thank you scooter x for pointing that out apple.com slash support slash system status your pick of the week, Jason Snell. 
I am somebody who has read a lot about uh, 3D printing stuff but hasn't done any of my own. I don't own a 3D printer. I have not used a 3D printer. And every now and then I come up against something on the Internet where they're like, oh, well, you can just do it with this little 3D printed part. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, oh, great. Uh, How do I get that part? First, step one, buy a 3D printer. Mm. like, no, I'm not going to do that. Mm -mm. Forget it. Mm -mm. So guess what? There's a site called CraftCloud 3D where you you literally upload the 3D file that somebody has offered you saying, oh, just print this yourself. You upload it. Uh, you specify what materials, what standards, like all the little little bits of what, which you do have to learn a little bit of 3D printing. And then it basically comes up with a list of people who will print it for you and mail it to you with different prices and different time frames. So you can pay like $40 and get it in three days or $20 and get it in a week. Or, you know, you can get it from these people in Texas or these people in Massachusetts and you, you get to pick. Oh, so this is They're, really a, a brokerage. This is a brokerage. Uh, yeah. For people clever. who are independently <laughs> offering their services as 3D printers. Some fool who bought um, a 3D printer now trying to amortize the cost. Exactly right. And I have done this twice in the last uh, month for a couple of different projects. And you know what? Uh, it was it was pretty great. Um, not I learned a lot. I learned a lot about like, yeah, you know, if you don't order the sanded one, you have to sand it yourself. And that's no. not fun. So I ordered the sanded one the next time. But I learned a lot. Um, I got stuff that totally did the job from what I what Ooh. I wanted it to be. You can get and sterling I just love, silver. Look at that. I just love the idea. You can pick your materials and you will be and your and your finished product you upload the file and then you just pick who you want and at the price that they are offering and it works. Ooh. And and in fact, I even got a follow-up from craft cloud where they said, you use somebody who is one of our new people. Um, it and it was out? an actual yeah. personal email saying, tell us, nice. tell us how it went nice. because we we evaluate all the new people who come into our system. So I had a really good experience with craft. Boy, cloud they TV. have every pot. I mean, they have steel, aluminum, brass, silver, all kinds of resins, titanium. Yeah. I mean, uh, I just I just went with ABS plastic, right? But yeah, that's the you, cheapest, you know, and you can I'm choose sure, your choose your colors, and as you choose your materials, you get to choose colors, and you get to do all those things that three D printer people might do. But you know, I'm not going to buy a three D printer, so I, I choose so this method. Cool. Yeah, it's and cool even thing. if you have a three D printer, it's a good thing because you can <laughs> uh, because you can print in so many things that. So I use a one called Shapeways to do something relatively similar and. It's similar to CraftCloud. It's just that it's all one big company. Not You're not outsourcing to lots of people. It's just one big company that may, does the printing. But I might want something metal, but I definitely don't want a metal printer. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I don't, like yeah. that's really expensive. John, and, John's and, uh, telling me we did, uh, we used Shapeways to make some of the parts for yeah. our, our ATEM. Uh, sw- oh, was that for my little box switcher? Oh, that's cool. Uh, Burke used but it then what you do is you kind that. of iterate. You iterate with your your home printer, and then you send it out and have it printed in something really great that you're not never going to own. Yeah. yeah, good one. Yeah, that's a, that's a good method too. Is if you do have a three D printer, yeah. you use it as a prototyper, and then you get somebody who's going to yeah. do the metal one for Ooh, you. Exactly. If I good, wanted to put idea. it inside my body, I could use surgical resin. Nice. There you go. Okay. Or gold. Mm, There's no telling what you might find out there on the internet. But if you're ever in a position <laughs> where you're like. I, 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 I'm doing this project and it sounds really cool, but now you, your step seven is 3D print this thing. And right. you, you say to yourself, well, I'm not ever going to do that. You can get somebody to do it for you. This is actually just fascinating for all the materials you can, right? you can use. 
Also, I'll put in a plug for your local library. A lot of libraries actually have 3D printers, so you should check with your local library. You may be able to just bring the file there and print it right at the library. So that's another thing to yeah, try. Yeah. One, but just, just one warning like for people who are who's always been curious about 3D printing. It really is like owning a table saw. It's not like, oh, great, I'll have this, I have this table saw, and now it'll cut all every, it'll cut everything I need for, <laughs> what can I uh, saw? for, for bookcases. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, because the thing is, like, it is a tool, and the first prints you make from it are going to be terrible yeah and then that's when you learn that even though you spent like 500 dollars on this printer the expectation is that you know how to take it apart and adjust it so that it works properly right. and then you know how to manage all of the settings like what is the feed rate what's the temperature where's the what what have you got on the bed how have you sliced it all of this stuff it's not going to be like hooking up a hooking up a laser a laser printer to your to your computer and boom in 10 seconds you get a printed copy of your of your document you are responsible for getting this thing to actually work right and it, the rules keep changing on you with every new thing that you do and every new material you try to print in it's I mean, it's great it's lovely but don't expect that hey i spent 300 dollars and now i'm going to be i'm going to be making star wars figurines from yeah. morning noon and night like no you're going to be making a blob of like weird oily <laughs> string for for at least three months, and right. each one of those bad prints costs you. And it, and by the way, it'll fa- it'll it'll be like a two day print, and it'll fail like twenty minutes before the end, and actually ruin everything for you. Cl- no, craft Cloud, Craft Cloud, three D dot com. Alex Lindsay, mm-hmm. pick of the week. So my pick is this little this little guy right here. See, oh, you bought it. Um, oh, bought it. I've been reading and, about and it. So, oh. so if you look at it, you can see that I'm. I this am, is the Insta three sixty uh, link. It's kind link, of a, and you can a gimbal see for your, your web. Look at it. It's oh, it's, it's so cute. <laughs> and it's so it's so kawaii. So it's can we much see the picture? Can you switch the picture? Over? Yeah, I'll switch the picture here. Let me let me uh, let me it. So this is. I just want to show you what it looked like, and then. Um, let me cut to the actual shot here. So here's a shot. Um, oh, that's a pretty good shot. Rum leg hanging out and thing. Yeah. So but the, the the key here is that you have a lot of controls. So um, you know, it's so a I have my. Oh, you can it's zoom. PTZ. Oh. oh, yeah. I, I can nice. definitely zoom in. Um, now I can also save presets, and so I can go. Okay. Well, I want I want this to be a preset, but I also want later. I'm going to go in and zoom in. And I'm going to hit another preset here. And now if I hit this one, and you can see that you can put a lot of them in there. It, you know, it cuts to it. It doesn't zoom in. Like a, you know, but, it, but it will jump into it. So if you're trying to well, set up a presentation. Huh. Now, the other thing that you have here is, of course, you can move it around here. But you can also, again, just, just zoom here. Um, and again, to, to re, reframe, you just grab it. Can you? Like it also just, has tracking, even, right? So can you say yeah. follow Rumsleg and make him dance? It, it won't follow Rumsleg, <laughs> oh, but it will. Shoot. You you can have you can have auto tracking, zoom, whiteboard. Um, so it'll it'll look at a white. You can put corners on a whiteboard, but look oh, at all the neat. the thing to look at is wow, does it have a lot of, of settings? Well, it's four K, and also um, so you have auto like, exposure. Yeah. But when I turn off auto exposure, it has a curve. Oh, nice. Like I have a little, oh, like, oh I wow, would, a Bezier curve. Wow, you know, like I have a little curve That's that I can, sweet. you know, design what I, you know, design exactly how I want the co- the contrast to work. This is very pro. Um, I have control over my ISO, so I can drop my ISO down a little bit if I wanted to. Yeah. I have control over my shutter, and a lot of these have had these, but because they make the software, and this isn't limited to just what UVC will do, they've put a lot more into it into the camera and you get into more settings here you have how it's going to track and uh the tracking how fast uh, you how's have it manual good? is it focus. good in low light they claim it is 
It is. It's actually, this is relatively low light now, and it's, yeah. it's pretty good. Now, I can also turn it into HDR, which will make it a little grainier, um, but it's going to grab a lot more oh, exposure nice. there as well. Yeah. Um, and so it is, so we, you know, I buy, I buy a lot of these. Um, a lot of these cameras and we test them and I always think I'm going to send them back, but I never do. So I've got a pile of 4k <laughs> web cameras, um, you know, and, uh, and what I will say is that it is, um, this is, this is the first one that we've gone, Oh, maybe we'll get this instead of the Brio, you know, wow. and the Brio has been the one that has been like the standard and we just use it. The do you color recommend rendition the is tripod better. kit or I didn't. Uh, did I get the tripod? I got the tripod kit. It's but 30 I don't bucks use it. more. I put it on a bunch of, it's a quarter 20 on the bottom. If you have something else, okay. you can use it. The tripod is particularly special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so the, um, it, it is, uh, it's a little bit more expensive. It's, it's 300 bucks. I think it's $300. Yeah. That, 300. This kit. Yeah. yeah. 300. So I bought the $300 kit and it is, um, it's really, really good. In fact, if they made a $400 version with a one inch chip, this is a half inch chip. Um, I'd pay, I'd, you know, with an HDMI out, we put it in our ATEM, you know, like it's, it's a great little, um, it's a great little PTZ. It is, uh, if again, if I was using, I'm going to take this. In fact, when I do the AMA with twit, I have to be in LA for that morning. Um, oh. I'm taking this with me. So I you will can be move on around. You can. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to be on the AMA. The first time I show it in public of me, of it actually, cause I have a 6k here, black magic 6k. I'm not going to, you know, so, but on my, this is my new trip camera. So this is what I'm taking with me on the road instead of the Brio. The Brio is going to be, I'm sure, very upset. They're like, why am I not going? And so, so anyway, but, uh, but the, um, but this is a good, it, if you play with it enough, it will, I, it probably needs one or two more firmware updates where it'll crash and it'll just suddenly just wander off. Um, but you just unplug it and plug it back in again. And that's happened like three times since I've started testing it over the last week. And, and it's, it is a, um, uh, but overall, it's just a killer little camera. The, the, again, the quality is at least as good as the Brio, if not better. The, re, the, the color is better than the Brio. The, um, the, uh, the controls are I love it that you can move around, the like best. do a presentation, well, and it's like you have a camera operator. And that's what I'm using this for the most is going to be doing presentation um, stuff. And I'm going to actually use this as my overhead camera. <laughs> less, less me and more of like, this is right. what I want to show you a close-up. But... For a teacher or someone doing e-learning or talking about a product, I could totally see someone using uh, two Ooh, or three of these. It has a desk with, view mode where it auto corrects the yeah. parallax. <gasps> yeah, so Ooh. it's so so. I think that it is if you're doing if you're talking about your product, if you're interacting with clients or partner or you know colleagues, if you are. Um, uh, yeah, so you can see how it's, it'll correct. So he's the, using the, a hand gesture. And then it just goes, oh, I'm going to go over and there. And the, to go to the and, preset. And gonna, wow. And it'll it'll corner pin and lock to it. Um, and Justine Ezrick did a really good video on it as well. So she'll show you, you know, she her has a, it has a mic on it. I don't think it's particularly useful. But but the point is, is that the, um, I think that if you, one of them is great, but I could definitely see someone who's going doing, you know, product demos education, that type of thing, having two or three of these, one is a close up that you can show things. One is on you. We did notice, and I haven't, cause I haven't bought two yet, um, yet, uh, is that there is a little, um, you can, a little selector here. So I'm guessing that I can control more than one switch, camera. you know, like I was like, Oh, I wonder what that's would for. Would you daisy like, oh, chain them? You think, or, uh... no, you'd put them in, you, you, you know, this would be a great, like, Mac mini, it only uses the, you can do a regular USB a, so you can have a Mac mini with a couple of these plugged in. Uh, and then if you're using something like OBS or memo live, memo live is probably what I'd probably use on a Mac. Um, OBS, OBS is not super, 
stable. But you can also remember these will show up in Keynote. So you could have a Keynote um, presentation and be, you know, having, uh, you know, you and possibly a close up. And, and even again, you could go to the keynote presentation, go to the slide, hit the position and go to it. No, we haven't. One thing we have, we have, we're reaching out to them and trying to find the right person to talk to at Insta, Insta360. We're hoping that they're going to add an, an open API so that we can, you know, set up a button that I hit something on a stream deck and it, you know, changes the, this and then changes the slide and then moves over here and those types of things. But it's the first camera that we've really seen that I felt like was a real jump up for a web camera that I've seen since COVID started. We, we felt like it was going to take a couple of years and it was about a couple of years um, that, it, you know, before people really start building stuff for us. And um, I think this is the, this is a pretty, pretty slick little camera. So if you're looking for the next gen, this is, this is oh, it right now. Man, now you got me uh, with my finger please in the butt. Yeah, but it's, it's nifty. It's a lot of money. Lisa yeah. uses a Brio on your recommendation, uh, yeah. but she... And the Brio is still a great camera. We still... Yeah. I don't think I would if ship this out If you don't move around, if you don't need guests. to have all those other needs, a Brio Well, yeah, and, and I think it's fine. And and it this is better. You can make little adjustments without having to go up to the UVC or whatever. It, it'll, it'll get you a better image. Um, we're not ready to send out this to, to clients because it is it is a little Finicky. tweaky like it's yeah. small yeah. and they could break it you yeah. know even packing it they could break it and so so it is something that's more for someone who's really this is your item um but but i think that and again i think that what i'm really excited about is getting a couple of these opening up memo live um by boinks and uh and playing with being able to cut between things relatively effectively so that's that's the next thing we're gonna oh, play with wow yeah. Insta, which does a great 360 camera, now has a, uh, a desktop uh, Zoom camera. Yeah, so it's a very odd thing for them to jump into, but they yeah. really knocked it out of the park. What makes it again is you open up the software, and the software is dramatically better. And the the, the error, you know, the the previous one, Logitech, had okay software, never really. You know, this works on the Mac, I, obviously, and it works fine yeah. on the Mac. Yeah. As I well as Windows, I presume, yes. Yep. Yeah, it does. It does, okay. absolutely. And so, but the software is really, um, the, the, it's the control software that really makes the camera. This can, camera will be a big, uh, uh, can't even call it a doorstop, <laughs> a, door, a door jam, uh, <laughs> if, uh, if, they, if they hadn't really worked on the software and they've done a great job on the software as well. Nice. Insta360 Link is the name of it. And you can find it if you go to the insta360.com website. And we've, I mean, it's been, it was like, uh, cumulatively from the time it, it was announced probably 20 or 25 questions in office hours like everybody's yeah. uh, buying them and talking about them yeah, and we've playing been with seeing them a and, lot of coverage yeah i didn't realize justine had done a yeah thing. she did a video yeah nice good pick Alias, you did your job this week in fine form i'm gonna have to get a little extra in the pay packet for you there uh <laughs> J- <laughs> jason don't spend it all at the bar Jason Snell is at uh, sixcolors.com. That's where he writes. But, you know, you'll find him on many, many, many podcasts, uh, which are all promoted on sixcolors.com. All the podcasts. All the podcasts. Anything you want to particularly (laughs) highlight? Uh, No, check me out talking to Mike Hurley on Upgrade uh, on Mondays. That's a good one. about that. That's a good one. It's a good one. There are many, many, many podcasts. Relay.fm slash Upgrade. But that's just one of many. Also, the the final update on the under-table touch fingerprint button <laughs> yeah i mean i gave everybody here that update last week but there it is it's, Look at that. Uh, it's there right now it's a pretty thing touch id <laughs> apple should probably sell something else other than a keyboard with a touch id <laughs> thing on it that'd be nice by the way the whole keyboard is in this box <laughs> that's what i 3d printed that's that's actually one of my two 3d printed yeah. things is that yeah, yeah. little uh, little cool. case 
sixcolors.com. Thank you, Jason. Always Thanks, a Leo. pleasure. Andy Nako, when is your next appearance on the fine GBH in Boston? Uh, it's going to be Thursday, uh, ten minutes to one. Uh, not in the GB, not in the uh, library studio, but in zooming from from home. Uh, so you maybe I can maybe I can justify getting that really yeah. cool camera. Charge it off to GBH; they'll pay for it. Uh, we'll, 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 see, we'll we'll see how that works. That's a good advice. I'm definitely going to consider that. Uh, but uh, go to wgbhnews.org uh, and you can see, watch the live stream live, or you can stream it later on. Actually, that makes me think. I wonder for Christmas this year if we should send all our hosts the Insta 360. Alex, do you think that'd be a good yeah. use of our yeah. of our funds? Oh yeah. We send you good. guys microphones, you know, so the audio's good. Let's mm-hmm. maybe upgrade the cameras. I got a fez. Did you get a fez one year? I have one. I still have a fez. Yeah. You know, I was so mad at myself. I forgot I could have brought the fezes on the cruises and had us all look like doofuses. But fezes survived a lot of a lot of moves. I think, Leo, I think that's what's called gilding the lily. Gilding the lily. Thank you, sir. Thank you. You're absolutely right. Officehours.global is where you'll find Alex Lindsay every morning doing amazing stuff. And the rest of the day is at 090.media. What's going on at Office Hours this week? I'm really excited about, you know, so we, you know, of course, the weeks are... We're great. We're having a lot of, we're talking about this, this, uh, tomorrow we we're doing a, we, today we we're talking about mics tomorrow. Uh, Nick Joshishin from Drexel university uh, is coming back. He went to see graphs. So he's going to break down what he saw that was cool. Uh, we're actually, we do this thing where we see something that we really like and we break it down. So on Thursday morning, we're going to look at the ILM light and magic and we're going to just oh. go through the frames and just go, how are they framed? It's not oh. so much about, about it. It's about like, that is a really good interview frame and what did they do here and what is the detail and, and, you know, and, and trying to make, learn from what someone does that they spent obviously millions of dollars this is on the Apple TV plus documentary on ILM. That uh, it's, it's, a, it's Disney about. plus. I'm sorry. Disney, Disney plus, plus. Yeah. should have been yeah. Apple plus Disney plus, of course. Yeah, yeah exactly. uh, And really amazing. Lawrence Kasdan uh, directed it and it's just so good. Oh, absolutely. And then Friday, we're, one of the other things we do is we do a lot of transparent production. So, so Friday, we're talking about what we're going to do. IBC is like NAB in Europe. And so there is, uh, I think there's going to be 40 people working on it, um, on, wow. on the coverage for IBC only for a couple hours, but there's like 10 people that'll be on the ground. There's like 20 or 30 people that are, that are offsite that are doing edits and graphics and cutting the show and so on and so forth. And so we're going to talk about where that is in, in, in what we're doing on Friday. And then and then the other thing I'm really excited about is this thing we're doing with Michael Krasny from that was formerly from KQED. Wow, are these conversations good? We had Amber on a couple uh, weeks ago. Oh, we, nice. We had an astronomer on uh, that was just amazing. Every one of these conversations is just um, Where can amazing. we find that? The Krasny that's podcast. At off, that's at, that's at Gray Matter. It can be, it's EY, but you could probably mistype it and it would still work. Uh, graymatter.show uh, on, online. And you'll see the list of the people. I mean, we've had the president. I mean, Michael's... Michael's uh, Rolodex is very deep. So um, we've had, we had the, uh, the president of council for foreign affairs, which I, you know, I've been reading um, um, uh, foreign, you know, foreign affairs for a long time. So council foreign relations, this <laughs> was a big deal, but uh, Amber's interview was uh, incredible. Uh, we're just getting a couple of you know, these are just starting to come out. And uh, each one of them is, is just really been nice. really, really interesting. And we've got to, and all you have to do is go up there, sign up for the podcast and you'll start getting it. We are going to, we allow people to listen to the live version. Some, some folks in office hours right now are doing it. Eventually we'll open it up to a wider group, which is that you can, you can listen and ask, ask questions. So like a third of the show are people that are listening to the show, asking questions. Um, and so, um, so it's, and, but Michael is a, 
pretty good interviewer. Very like it's good. just it's just yeah. it's, it's just like the, if you were in the, in the Bay Area, it's just like the radio it's show. A great it radio show like, for decades. Yeah, he's like we're we're like getting all ready, getting all ready, and then he just goes, "Welcome to Great Matter," and it's just like it is exactly like form. Nice. <laughs> it's just it just it just nice. very very smooth and clean, and it's great. So anyway, that's that's what we're doing. Thank you, all three of you. We do Mac Break Weekly on a Tuesday. If I get here on time, eleven a.m. Pacific, two p.m. Eastern time, eighteen hundred. UTC. I say the live time so you can watch live if you want. You don't have to. Obviously, it's a podcast, but there is a live stream uh, of all of our productions at uh, live.twit.tv. Chat with us live at irc.twit.tv or in the Discord if you're a Club Twit member. After the fact, the show will appear at the website, twit.tv slash mbw. Like most of our shows, there's a dedicated YouTube channel as well. And, uh, of course, you can always subscribe in your favorite podcast client get the audio or the video the minute it's available uh people who watch on demand might want to participate in other fora we have a, a twit community forum running uh discourse software it's really excellent uh, and a great place to hang out that's free uh, we also have twit.social which is our mastodon instance and a place uh, we also can hang out if you're looking for a twitter uh, rep- uh, replacement that is uh federated and uh, open source this is a good one twit.social and twit.community and iCloud is now back according to Scooter X in the system status page yay thank you for joining us we'll see you next time now you better get back to work because guess what break time it's over bye bye is that an iPhone in your hand wait a second is that an Apple watch on your wrist and do I, do I see an iPad sitting there on the table? Oh my goodness. You are the perfect person to be watching iOS today, the show where Rosemary Orchard and I, Micah Sargent, talk all things iOS, tvOS, watchOS, HomePodOS. It's all the OSs that Apple has on offer, and we show you how to make the most of those gadgets. Just head to twit.tv slash iOS to check it out.